1: Hello, my fellow Westorians. Isn't it great to be back? I do love the week-to-week. Of course, we've been doing week-to-week for years now, off and on, but this is a different style week-to-week because it's new. We're covering, usually we're digging deep, doing research and presenting it to y'all. This time we're all watching together. We're still doing the digging deep and doing the research, but the information we're studying is fresh. I love it. I'm so happy to be back, and I think Ashea and Sean are as well. How are you feeling, Sean? Excited?
2: Oh yeah, uh, it's it's almost surreal to be back at this uh, TV coverage of the uh, Ice and Song of Ice and Fire world. Um, and it's uh, yeah, I, it's also worth noting that you know usually we have at least a week to prep for what we're doing. It's barely been 12 hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm still, I guarantee you, five minutes after we're done with this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got this new idea. That's right.
1: (laughs) Well, thankfully, we also have episodes on Saturdays. This is our Monday at 6 o'clock live stream, which will be posted as a podcast and be available on YouTube as well each time. But we'll also be doing Saturday streams at 3. Uh, Sean will be on the Monday streams. We'll have guests for the Saturday streams. We'll be discussing things to come on Saturday streams. We'll be having... ...spoilers, previews, things like that. But on Mondays, we'll focus entirely on the episode that just happened. Maybe just a little bit of what's to come based on things that are set up. Now, let's reintroduce ourselves a little bit. Some of y'all will be new listeners to History of Westeros. A lot of y'all know what our deal is, but for those of you who are new, we'll lay out a few things. My name is Aziz. I've been a fan of A Song of Ice and Fire for over 20 years. I read Storm of Swords when it was new... And we are huge fans of this world. We've been doing this podcast for 10 years now. And it is super fun. Sean, you are somewhat unsullied, not entirely unsullied. When you started on the show, you hadn't read anything. But you have read some things now. Tell people where you're at with your knowledge and what's new to you and what isn't. And that'll help uh, explain what we're all about here.
2: Yeah, at this point, I've read all of the main books, the, the main novels of the series, you know, Game of Thrones, Feast for Crows, all that. Um, and I've read the Dunkin' Egg novellas, which I love and highly recommend. Anyone out there who hasn't read them, oh, yeah. you <laughs> should definitely read them. Um, and I've read a large portion of The World of Ice and Fire. We were doing a, a quote-unquote reread of that book, but we're kind of jumping through it and using it as jump-off points for other topics, you know, um, but, but because of that, I've been able to avoid most of the the Targaryen stuff, stuff that might lead into this Fire and Blood stuff, so that I'm, I can't help but be exposed to it, right? Yeah. Like I I have some generic ideas. I know there is a dancer dragon, some sort of Targaryen civil war. I'm a, even before I watched this first episode, I knew there was a character Corlys Valerian, uh Valerian, Valerian, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Valerian, who is some sort of sailor. I got the idea he's in the same time period as Daemon, you know. But the details of like the timeline, at some point, I might have even learned it. You know one character or another died but there's a difference between like having read that one time amongst read the, all the other dense information that i read and knowing it and understanding it and putting it in context and everything so i'm not purely unsully yeah but i definitely don't know where this story is going exactly i have some 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 guesses some are probably pretty close and maybe even subconsciously clouded by data that's in my brain but um yeah so i'm sure there's gonna be a bunch of times when i say something and people out there like doesn't he know that? Yeah, The answer know is no. Yeah.
1: So we're trying to have, we're trying to approach it with someone who, uh, Shea as well is very knowledgeable about the series. Shea here is behind the camera at the, at, for this episode. Oftentimes she will be in front of the camera, just not today. We've had a lot of preparation to do to get ready for the season. She does a lot of our technical stuff behind the scenes. So today she's managing it there, but she'll weigh in on some topics as well. So we've got me and her that know the material quite well. Sean, who is a little fresher to it. And so between that, we have a lot of different style takes. We hope that gives us a broad view. a a wide array of coverage and opinions. We'll progress through each episode. Each scene, for the most part, we'll cover, then we'll pick up certain threads that we passed over because obviously there's lots going on in a lot of these scenes. We'll also discuss themes and patterns, characters and backstory. Like I said, a lot of the more spoilery stuff will be on the Saturday episodes. And I want to shout out our new intro sequence from Brandon Winslow, a.k.a. Brand the Builder, a good friend of ours. It's blowing up on YouTube already. People are watching it. And it's interesting because we haven't seen the actual intro to the show yet. It wasn't part of the first episode. There was some... Even from, from us as well, some wondering about that. We thought, oh, maybe they're saving it for episode two. Well, that is the case. They're saving it for episode two. So you will see the proper full new intro sequence next week. And we'll we'll be sure to talk about that. But for now, the coolest one we have is is ours. <laughs> the one that Bran made. It's great. I hope you all loved it as much as we do. Uh, We're also interviewing uh, Ryan Condal in a week, the showrunner of House of the Dragons. He'll be asking some great questions. We'll have two episodes in the in the book by then that we'll be able to uh, leverage for questions for him and we just interviewed george r, r. martin last week just before this show is getting started that interview will be up this week it'll be up uh, a couple days early for patrons and subscribers and then up for everybody a couple days after that so look out for that soon
0: and that is a video interview
1: a video interview that's right you get to see us in george r, r. martin's house with all his cool decorations everywhere he's got a stained glass stark window a stained glass baratheon window man his house is nerd paradise you we all wish we had an office like that <laughs> well right one of the greatest series ever written and maybe you too can have a house with stained glass windows of your own design <laughs> anyway let's get to the episode that's i think everything we needed to say to set things up if i missed anything well we'll just get back to it later we've got 10 weeks of this to cover it all the Great Councils where things start, and so shall we. It's a little unusual to have a scene like this that's more of a flashback. We did have a few flashbacks in Game of Thrones proper, but not right at the beginning right it's a and we certainly didn't have voiceovers and we didn't have like text explaining what was happening. That's pretty new for for Game of Thrones, but it's not some big change either, and it was pretty necessary, I think to set this stuff up.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to say, one, it really, really, to me, uh, was reminiscent of uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship uh, of the Rings.
1: okay. The,
2: the, the sound of the narrator, the tone, the imagery, like everything to me sounded very similar to Lord of the Rings, which one of the greatest movies ever, one of the greatest stories ever. I think it's fine to be compared to that. Yeah. And especially, yeah, part of why all this is so great is because it is so dense with so many different characters and storylines and history. It, it, it feels more real when this world has a real history, if Absolutely. that Absolutely, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. And, it's uh, so fleshed out. But it, but it also can make it a little tougher t- for the casual viewer to just pick up on. And so I think it was definitely, even for me, I was appreciative of this setup. And I think, especially for the masses out there, the, the clarification of like 172 years before Danny Targaryen, I think that was- like, <laughs> That was uh, really good, yeah. It was humorous, but it's hard to understand what the average person is going through watching this. They really do need to clarify that. Think about the trailer they released ahead of time with George. Given this sort of superficial explanation of like the houses involved, you know, I think it's good to set the audience up for all this. And with
1: each week, we are releasing a synopsis video under 10 minutes to help you put all that together, to help explain it in a simple way. So I highly recommend checking that out. This first one is eight and a half minutes long before you listen to our live streams here. But of course, do it in any order you want. But that is my recommendation. Yeah, there is a lot to know. It isn't like a lot of other worlds where you don't have a lot to learn. There is a lot. This family stuff is, frankly, a bit confusing. It will become less confusing over time, and we have a strong handle on it, so we can always help you out. With that in mind, feel free to submit questions live or in advance. You can send them to us on Patreon, on Twitter, on Facebook. We have a a Facebook group for History of Westeros, we have a Discord for History of Westeros. The links are in the description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcasts. The, the links are there either way. And yeah, ask questions live. We'll answer them two different spots throughout the episode. We'll, we'll pause and take questions and settle all these things that might be a little confusing or perhaps theorize a bit. So Jaehaerys, to be clear, is Rhaenys' grandfather and Viserys's grandfather but through his first two children he had two sons who had children rainis was the daughter of the firstborn son and viserys was the son of the secondborn son so that's why it's a little confusing and that's why rainis maybe thought her claim was stronger and arguably it is stronger she usually does follow through the first son's line but it not always these aren't hard and fast rules
2: Rhaenys is the one that they call the queen that never was, right? Right, And she is married to Corlys? Yes. And he's right? always been a okay. little,
1: little upset that she. he thought she deserved it as well, maybe even more than she did. But that's something left to be explained by the characters as we go through it. So Jaehaerys is actually Viserys' grandfather twice over <laughs> because his fourth and fifth children married each other. And yeah, <laughs> not only is the family tree complicated, it's even harder because of all the incest. Emma Aaron, Viserys' wife, you may have noticed she had silver hair. She's half Targaryen as well. So uh, and her clearly her hair color came out to match that. Uh, you may have funny note here, Jaehaerys himself is played by Michael Carter who was Bib Fortuna in Star Wars. That's the dude. Asha is putting him on screen. The guy with this funny tentacle and the red eyes that was Jabba's right hand man in, in Return of the Jedi—that's the same guy. <laughs> how about that?
2: <laughs> it's amazing that they surgically removed those tentacles from his head to play this role.
1: No, that must have been very <laughs> painful. But this, there's a lot Probably of committed. Yeah, a lot of painful things in this show, though. A lot of wounds, and <laughs> you wonder <laughs> how did you interpret him there. He almost looks—is he? He's supposed to be weary. He's lost a lot of his children. He lost his. Wife he lost his right-hand man, and his wife was like his left-hand man, or woman, rather. So he really relied on her and Septon Barth, and they're both gone by this time. And, of course, he lost his two eldest sons. So he's a very, he's a sad guy. He had a strong reign. He overall ruled quite well, but it's not ending super well for him, and he fears what's to come next. What did you, did you we did he look disappointed get... in that choice, or did he just look tired to you?
2: I, I thought wary, I thought the whole scene seemed kind of somber, yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. And it maybe also it seemed like it was a. Oh, I can't think of it. the. Though the whole scenario is sort of a compromise that. No one's going to war, but no one's happy either. that That's the the, the feel, the vibe I got from that uh, Great Council presentation. What
1: do you think, Ashea? Did you uh, have it in, a read on Viserys there, or on Jaehaerys there? Or did you notice anything else about that scene you wanted to, to yeah, mention? I th-
0: yeah, I thought he looked sad and old. Yeah. I agree. I, I do think <laughs> he, he looked like he was at the end of his life. And, uh, yeah.
1: And he does die two years later. It says that we, go, we jump forward to nine years into Viserys' reign. It doesn't actually tell you how much longer J. Harris's reign is. According to Fire and Blood, it's two more years. Of course, they may have changed that for the show, but as far as we know, it was two years later. Now, there's some other good acting in this scene. Rainy's her disappointment uh, is, is in our notes here. Very very notable. Her acting is incredible, I think, in general. A lot of great performances in this, sh- in this episode, which bodes really well for the rest of the run of the show.
0: Yeah, I think you, you could really see the gleam of disappointment in her eyes, like the tears in her eyes right here, um, I thought.
1: Yeah, and Viserys almost looked a little chagrined. Like, he looked a little like.
2: Yeah. Maybe he yeah, didn't that's, deserve I wanted it. To point that out. <laughs> or that yeah, he didn't he want wasn't, it. Yeah, he didn't exactly like pump his fist, like, yes, you know, he he seemed acceptant, yeah. resigned. He was to maybe a little honored.
1: Room. He smiled, but he wasn't like, yeah. you know, he didn't do like his brother in the tournament. Ah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> no, the, that's a I'm on top of the world. Yeah, he's yeah. just like, okay. Good contrast, rather. Yeah. And that's uh, also. Yeah, go ahead
2: i wanted to point out another i don't know to just lining things up uh jaharis was in that scene he was with his wife emma who was pregnant viserys Viserys was with with his wife yeah viserys sorry i said that wrong viserys with his wife emma Mm -hmm. as he's realizing he's going to be the king and she's pregnant and that must be rhaenyra that she's pregnant with no right
0: no incorrect no rhaenyra would have that would have been one of remember how emma says she lost multiple children she had multiple right, yeah. stillbirths she lost children think this is a when we see rhaenyra that's 11 years after that rhaenyra was not 11 years old when we see her in that scene
1: she's more like 15 or 16 yeah, or 18 how old she's yeah. exactly right there but she's a lighter teenager
0: age, but definitively that was not rhaenyra in the stomach that was one of amos okay um, remember
1: she says she had two other stillbirths and two other deaths in the cradle that's one of those yeah, yeah.
2: But she also said in twice as many years. She said that's five and twice as many years, which would be ten years. Yeah. yeah so she lost her child. Said that this was nine. Yeah, years but later. the child she hadn't years, lost it yet, though. Yeah. The
1: child was presumably lost a few yeah. months later, or even. Well,
2: and she still could have had Renira before she lost. Yeah, other she had children. her okay. child. Yeah, before
1: before was before. She lost that. Exactly. The... That's exactly. what I'm asking. Yes, I'm absolutely. Happy that's, yeah, a lot
0: of people in the chat were asking who right, who um, Emma was pregnant with, and yes, it was not yeah. Rainier right there.
1: Right on. Yeah. Good question. Exactly. This is a good example of of different approaches, different angles that were taken taking here, uh, different questions that people may have. Harrenhal looked really sweet as far as a ruined, a grim castle can. <laughs> and it may be a little bit ominous, a foreshadowing, you determining the future of House Targaryen in a castle destroyed by House Targaryen by the biggest dragon who ever lived that we know of, Balerion the Black Dread. And, uh, you, you know, know. That's
2: another thought I had, too, just thinking about someone who's watching this show that hasn't read the books or even seen Game of Thrones. Did did they make it clear that was Harrenhal? Did they know what the heck Harrenhal is? You I know, think they said I mean, I it. We get the average viewer doesn't. Yeah, you I think know?
1: they said Harrenhal, but they didn't make it clear or remind people. But that's the castle that Arya goes to. That's ruined with, um, where she's with Gregor, and then she serves Tywin in the show. In the books, it's Roose yeah. Bolton, but. That same and spot. And it's a yeah.
2: castle that was destroyed when the Targaryens first took over Westeros. Exactly. Yes. So it was a massive castle that was just completed, and their dragons burned it and down. And that was right? only a
1: hundred years before this council. That was almost exactly a hundred years, maybe one hundred and one years before. So, yeah. And we we next move on to this. Technically, what comes next is the voiceover, uh, or so the rest of the voiceover and the showing of the, the dates. And we get to see the cloud cover, and we have Rainier flying, and two of the most important young characters, and a dragon. So, Rainier, Allison, and Cyrax. A little bit of humor here to start off. It's a little lighthearted before it gets pretty serious pretty fast. Uh, Alicent and Rainier, uh, it's interesting that she says no thanks to the writing, and I thought Rainier's reaction to that was a little interesting. She paused and kind of. Was a little surprised. Like, how could you not want to fly? Did you notice that when she just kind of stared forward for a minute, like she was surprised that Allison had that reaction? Yeah, she's
0: like, oh, I can't relate.
1: Yeah, can't relate. Yeah, yeah. I was like, of why would you not fly? Because she's loved it. Like her when she's petting Cyrex's neck, she loves her dragon and loves flying. That is very, very straightforwardly clear there. I think.
2: She, that is something she is raised to do, though. Yes. Right? She's yeah. a Targaryen. I guarantee that's driven into her head. You're a Targaryen. You're a dragon rider. Here's your dragon egg when you're a baby. Like, it's part of her life, you know. But ha-
1: but less so from her own family, right? Because her mother, while half Targaryen, never rode a dragon. And her father rode Balerion when Balerion was in his waning years. So Viserys hasn't been a dragon rider in over, f- like, 17 years at this point and never was one for very long because Balerion died not long after he claimed him. So really, this part of her family isn't as dragony as the others, which might be why they're like, "You smell like dragon." They're not as used to it. I <laughs> think that's a great little undertone. And not only was that funny, but these are two. This particular king and queen are not dragon riders. Not almost never were they dragon riders. Like, Emma never yeah, was. It's like
0: Damon might not have ever commented on, "You smell like dragon," because he smells like dragon all the time too. Yeah,
1: and it wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't bother him. Or yeah, so it's a little interesting little undertone. Great little detail there
2: i also wonder a, a couple points i want to make about this uh if they're setting a stage for some future potential like if they establish to us that dragon smell a certain way mm. they can use that as a storytelling tool later on through the show yeah right? that's so true someone's someone writing like, a dragon they shouldn't have dragon. Or a dragon is nearby someone can detect it yeah. that's a great point um, yeah that
1: could be set up you're totally right i didn't think of it as set up but it might be yeah
2: And I I try, um, you know, I can't always get it all. There's people better at it than me. But I try to think about almost everything that's happening in the show. Like, why are they showing this? What's the meaning here? And sometimes it's just cool. Sometimes it's some piece of history that's interesting or we might need to know. But sometimes they're setting something up in the future. Sometimes it's symbolic. I thought it was very interesting. The opening scene was a dragon. That's the first (laughs) thing we see. Dragon flying in the air. And then we see it's Rhaenyra riding the dragon. Then flies over King's Landing, which is the setting that we're at. Also, in King's Landing, it was interesting that as the dragon flew by, it kind of showed like the hustle and bustle of city streets. And maybe one or two people looked up at the dragon flying by, but it's kind of commonplace activity, right? Yeah. Like maybe in modern day, kind of like every time a plane goes by, a plane flies by. Everyone doesn't stop and oh, look, a plane, you know. But, but not like if you live Kingsland, by the airport. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. In 1930, that might have been more outstanding of a thing to happen, but like in this world, dragons flying around, it's kind of normal. So like one, exactly,
1: that was a detail that I believe it was Ryan Condal even pointed out. He's like, yeah, well, most of the people in in that you see walking around, the hustle and bustle, yeah, they see dragons all the time. As it's introduced at the beginning, they say during the old King's time, there's 10 adult dragons right right around there. So yeah, it's not an uncommon sight, but some of the people are foreigners. Some people are visitors to King Landing and they would be the ones going, oh, looking up and watching it in full flight and being... Impressed teenagers 13
2: year olds Might be more impressed right yeah Exactly
1: so and some people Like Allison are like I don't want anything that's Scary I'll stay over here and even The Kingsguard uh, Harold Westerling's, like every day you come back Is the day they don't put my head on a spike (laughs) So he's a little Wary too Um, the dragons are Scarier to most People than they are to this One family that grows up with them but even This one family is a little bit scared of them Or at least not pleased with the smell.
2: (laughs) Has a healthy fear, at least, yeah. Yeah.
1: So let's uh, talk a little bit more here. There's Viserys' punchline as well. It sets us up with a little more humor. He's got a punchline with no joke, which is kind of a, a callback to the recurring feature in the books where we get the first part of something really important, and then it gets interrupted before we can hear the conclusion, whether it's a joke or not. The old interrupting the lore trick that we've referred to many times before on our book coverage shows. Yeah, or yeah, was, the same uh,
0: with uh, Tyrion's uh, joke about the jackass and the honeycomb. Yeah, we never get to hear and the punchline. Punch punch the set up, and we, you know, it's vice versa.
2: You can imagine the Yeah, the joke. You still, it's still funny. Even yeah, like he's that.
1: looking in the wrong end. The end of yeah. So you can imagine why that might be funny. But I don't you know. <laughs>
2: That was a lead into a council meeting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That broke. And again, I think they show that because we're seeing this is not somber, right? Mm. Like that great council was a serious somber moment. Viserys is joking around, and you know through the course of it, he doesn't. Re- Corlys is warning about these guys, like ah, oh, not good news. You know, he's not taking it that serious. You know, maybe he's not as crappy as Robert Baratheon was as a king. But he doesn't seem to be really invested in his role as the king. I agree. He is the minutiae of ruling, at least. I
1: agree. He is not an active ruler. He's not someone who looks for problems and solves them. He waits for the problems and deals with them or or hands them off to someone else. Yeah, he's he's not as lazy as Robert, and maybe he's not even lazy at all. But he is in that mold of lackadaisical, maybe. And this definitely the vibe you get. They're joking, and then pretty quickly. Corliss stands up and is like, "We got a problem here." And they like you said they they frame it as a as as a good thing and he's like, "No, are you kidding me? Like pirates are a nuisance, but if this triarchy, these three nations have control over the stepstones, that's a real problem. They're much more dangerous than pirates. Are you kidding me? They're a whole nation, three nations. And they're going to s- extract taxes from us or keep our ships back. Like this a big problem. They're like, "Yeah, but the tournament." <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so mm, so you see this is they're a little spoiled by their own success this is the peak of house Targaryen. they're rich they're successful and they can't be bothered with some of the smaller problems because everything seems to be going so well and there's a lot of little hints that things aren't actually as good as they think they are they're just good from where they're sitting when Damon comes in and announces, hey, maybe things are a little viol- more violent in the city than you're giving it credit for. We'll come back to that. But that's a good example of maybe they haven't been ruling the way they should. And if you go through this small council, we're leading up to the tournament. Of course, the, t- the council brings us towards that. We have a, a group of counselors who don't seem, they don't really distinguish themselves. At least not yet. Maybe except for Corleese. You have Lyman Beesbury, Master Coin. During the tournament, he makes a small bet on Damon. Like five coins he bets five gold, which I don't maybe I'm reading it uh, reading too much into this it becomes off a little petty or maybe miserly, and that adds to the theme of underfunding and just dis- things being in disrepair, like if this guy's in charge of the money and he's spent he doesn't want to put money into invest investments, he's not willing to spend money on public works, which Harris did. you could see why maybe things have are aren't you know the, the too much tax revenue is being kept by the rich people and not being spent on public works and administration and things that you would expect. Complaining about the expenditure on the city watch. It sounds like they should have spent that money before and maybe given it to somebody a little more less brutal, but it does sound like it needed to be done. And it sounded like it needed to be done for a while. What do you think? I I took
2: that as being, uh, that, that bet being made. Some of my thoughts don't take away from yours at all. Like it, could be all these things like, that it maybe it is' um, worried about the wrong things right like betting on his tournament it kind of it even goes back to the the joking and the blowing up Corliss at the at the council meeting that they're just not worried about the big picture maybe he's worried about more like this personal gain or this tournament rather than the finances of the realm or the future of the the, the kingdom and things like that yeah he not
1: necessarily comes off as like a better person, although I think you could make that argument, he comes off as more serious, more more focused, which, you're, like you say, it might be because he's after his own ends, which there's definitely some of that going on. But he is, you also get the sense that if he were higher rank, things would be a little more well run. At least they'd be <laughs> smoothed out somewhat. And that's also reflected by him being the one to not drink. He's like, no, I'm taking this more seriously. I'm not here to party. I'm here to, to make good decisions and to get things done. You have Grand Maester Melos there, who has a pretty big role in this episode. I think it's implied he's declining a bit. Maybe a bit of a Maester Crescent situation. Like, at one point, remember when when Viserys has his wound, that nasty little festering wound on his back, which is very symbolic of what's going on in the kingdom. This festering wasn't treated right away, and so it's gotten worse, right? And now they have to burn it out, but it's this this... Harsh solution for a problem that could have been dealt with a lot gentler if they had dealt with it right away. So I think, but well, what happens is the he's like, well, we could do this, we could do that, and then the young maester's like, well, we could cauterize it. He's like, we should cauterize it. That's what M- Mellus immediately <laughs> seizes on this. It's like he, it's like he didn't think of it. So I get the sense that maybe he's he's lost a step.
0: And I feel like it should I have was retired, worried, maybe. I was worried that he was going to hear, we should cauterize and be like, no, no, that's a terrible idea. You know, But he did at least listen to the younger yeah. maester, which is a good sign.
1: I think some people put him down I, as villainous, which is maybe the case, but I think maybe he's just losing it, maybe.
2: Uh, maybe inept, but uh, I, I took it a, even a different way. He might actually be pretty shrewd. He might have known that was the appropriate thing to do, but he didn't want to be the one to suggest it. Uh... Someone else suggested then he backs it up. Yeah, because Viserys so that,
1: didn't like it. He's like, fine, fine, we'll do that. Yeah, so yeah. He, he wasn't happy about it, but he accepted it. Um, so that's that's something to consider with Maester Mellows. And, of course, there's the long-running Grand Maester conspiracy, so we'll keep an eye on that, keep an eye on the fact that maybe some of the things he did were more intentional. But I didn't see a whole lot of evidence that in this first episode, mostly just this, the possibility remains, but there's not a lot of direct evidence of it. Harwin's strong, important character. He's the master of laws. Uh, it's also perhaps implied that he's a bit lax, especially if the city has become unsafe and the, you know, laws aren't being enforced. That seems to be on him. Although it's also implied that Damon had that job before him and wasn't very good at it. So maybe he hasn't had the job very long. Also, it's important that he's the Lord of Hall So that's, that's also important that the, that's, this whole thing was held at his seat, uh, 11 years before. And he was Lord All even right, then. Uh-
2: I wanted to point out that another thing I think they were trying to show us: Otto just uh, – uh, Otto, the hand of the king, Otto Hightower, yeah. rolls over Lord Strong. Totally he does. This might have been a later and moment, Corleys. but he's asked the yeah. question, he starts to answer, and he just totally talks over him, and, um yeah. So I think that might be relevant in some way. I don't know if maybe that whole council, Damon seemed to imply the whole council is just kind of there to tell They're the king leeches. what he wants to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I don't know if we can trust Damon's interpretation of the scenario, but d- definitely Otto is in charge. Lord Strong is not really getting his way. You know how that I Otto agree. is. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to point out a second ago you referenced when we were talking about Maester Mellow, you mentioned Mellos. Maester Crescent. Yeah, Melos. Sorry. Yeah. Nolus, you mentioned Crescent. Yeah. he was from.
1: He was Stannis' maester at Stannis's the beginning Mester. of Clash of Kings. Mester. yeah, he had his own show. What
2: was the parallel you were saying between him and that they're Crescent? old
1: and declining, that they may not be, they they may oh, not okay. be as good as they used to be at their job. Like he's maybe at retirement age. There's a lot of, of Although, course, there's a lot of jobs you can do into very late age and quite competently, but medicine maybe is one of the ones where you you gotta you don't keep up with new information you gotta, yeah you,
2: maybe the physically your hands aren't as steady yeah that's one that's tough that's if it. you're
1: declining but it's also a point of pride like you, it's hard to just make someone retire a grand maester is appointed yeah. by the citadel not by the king so it's uh it's tricky there
2: also Crescent was still good and loyal right yes. even maybe if he had some flaws he, loved he, he wasn't yeah. conniving or bad or whatever
1: yeah, yeah absolutely like he tried to kill melisandre but he thought he was helping and of course he killed himself instead but (laughs) that's (laughs) melisander for (laughs) you and so prince damon's commander of the city watch and it's it's said that he has held several different jobs before this one interestingly there's no master of whispers which i take as another sign of a lax administration some people say oh well that's a like a dirty job. What do they need that for? Well, we saw it's really important. We've seen that a good master of whispers really can cause problems, but can really prevent a lot of problems I mean, too. It
0: kind of seems like Otto's the unofficial master of whispers because he literally yeah. says, like, oh, I heard three different reports about Damon in, in the brothel. So
1: it's a great point. Maybe his machinations have made that unnecessary. He wants to keep that in his corner. Yeah. Uh, I like that idea. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I had a couple of thoughts about it. I think that from Game of Thrones, especially the master of whispers was presented as sort of the shady character, but fundamentally like all these different positions, you can equate to modern day stuff, right? Like the hand of the King is sort of like, I don't know, the, the prime minister or the the executive officer or whatever the the master corn is like the secretary of treasury, right? Master whispers is like the intelligence agency, the CIA or their intelligence officer, military, or whatever, having information about what's going on, you know, it, it isn't often it's sort of underhanded and spies and stuff, but the fact is it wins and loses battles. Yeah, you know, like it really when, does. when the bad guys are coming or where the, the bridge is or, you know, just information about what's going on is super important. Do we know if in the past there was a master whispers, maybe they haven't established
1: it yet. No, there, yeah, there was one uh, before okay. there was one for, um I don't remember if yeah, no, uh Aegon had one on his original council and uh, okay. Jerry Harry's Jerry's had one as well, if I remember correctly. And there's going to be one appointed a bit later. So it's definitely gonna be around and it won't be the okay. f- it won't be the first one, I don't think. So yeah, so that's gonna yeah, come I back. I think around. that's
2: a yeah. A big flaw to not have one. And it's another thing. At first I thought it was an auto high tower. He seemed protagonistic. Maybe just because he's getting pitted against Damon, who seems antagonistic. I'm sure all that's going to be That <laughs> changes great. pretty quick, doesn't but, it? <laughs> yeah. But by the end, I was a little bit more suspicious yeah. of, of High Tower, And I wonder if not having a master whispers is because he wants to be the master like Yeah, O'Shea I think you're right. Suggesting. Yeah. He might have told the king, we don't really need that. And then behind the scenes, like, go get me this information, put this person in charge, disseminate the spies. And you can cetera. see
1: why it would be easy for him to sell that idea to Viserys. Like, Viserys is, he's not so super soft. He's not like Tytos Lannister or even Robert or uh, an Aenys, his own grandfather or great-grandfather Aeny's Targaryen. But he is a bit of a pushover. He's one of the pushover that you can push him too far. Like he has his limits. Yeah. We see him get angry a couple of times. He's got that fire in him. It just doesn't come up that often. It's there. So that's that's they're very care- they know how to manage him. I think they know where his limits. Someone like Otto is really good at getting him right up to that edge without upsetting him too much. Whereas Damon <laughs> kind of uh, goes too far. Um, that's kind of the...
2: Vissaris does seem to have a sense of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, he does. But he might not be that good at it, or he might be too lax at it. I agree. Et cetera. Yeah,
1: he's not a bad guy, but he's definitely Robert got some... did not
2: seem to have a sense of responsibility, yeah. right? I agree. Just saying, I'm king. I do what I want. Yeah, yeah. This, like, this he is... wasn't worried about money or wars or anything.
1: He's a much better king than that. He And there's only... It's too. The there's only been four Targaryen kings to this point. And one of them was Magor, who was awful. Like clearly he's the worst. One was Aegon who they all kind of worship. One was Jaehaerys who was amazing, the old king that lasted the longest. And one was Aenys who was Fine. Well, even weaker <laughs> than than Jaehaerys. So he was he was more of a pushover and civil wars happened as soon as the conqueror died basically because they thought they saw who was ascending like ooh him we can push around. And uh and they kind of did. But that's another story. So yeah, uh Otto, have really enjoyed that portrayal. Reese Ifon, shout out to him. At the end of each episode, we'll we'll shout out our favorite performances and a few other things. We'll have our three for three at the end of each episode. He's not my pick, but he was close because he's got the perfect voice and demeanor for this role. Just I'm in charge. Like I, everything he says is so upright and proper and your know, grace, like in that c- 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 like very controlled tone of voice that sounds very authoritarian without being aggressive yeah he he's got he's got a future or has had a career in audiobooks if he wants it i don't i haven't looked into it to see if he's already done that but he could do voiceovers and all that stuff yeah you
2: know uh, another little observation i made a little detail that makes me appreciate it is he seems very comparable to tywin yeah right his his physical appearance and presentation and, and vocals and you know everything in a lot of ways uh but i felt like he looked maybe a little less i can't think of quite i like disheveled not less disheveled but more disheveled he'd he less put together mm. than tywin and you know i don't know like his hair was just like a little uneven <laughs> I, I realized by the end of it that might have been at least subtly Apparently, his wife has died recently. Yes. He might not be sleeping well or grooming himself as well. That I don't know. I, I, I'd like a to think parallel to Tywin. The, the showrunners yeah. had the makeup artists present him. That way yeah. Tywin okay. might
0: have been a little bit more like that in the few years after Joanna died. But when we saw Tywin, it was it you know a, a, yeah. two decades after moved she died. He
2: had
1: new priorities yeah. and had his learned to take image, care of himself at
0: that point. But Otto maybe yeah. hasn't completely learned that lesson.
1: But it is around, yeah. And but it is a similar situation. You're right. Especially he has a he has a son and a daughter, and yeah, like the books, his children are a little different, but it, it is similar. You're right. Tywin is a great comparison. Maybe Tywin mashed up with maybe maybe Littlefinger or something like that. We'll see though. We'll see how the portrayal goes. Let's move on to the tournament. Um, the tournament was pretty electric. Uh, it was a step up in terms of production values from the tournaments in a song in a Game of Thrones. The first time through certainly compared to the early tournament with Gregor and Sir Loras and Sandor and Jamie, but it had some similar vibes as well. It's a lot of it is shown from the perspective of of the, of some young girls watching where you have Sansa was sort of our main POV for a lot of the tournament sitting next to Ned with Littlefinger nearby, you know, it's whispering in her ear. <laughs> so this is a similar kind of, but very different at the same time as, uh, the, uh, as that. So th- there's a lot of great houses represented here. We haven't had time to fully pick them all out from the crowd, but, boy, the heraldry and the setup, just awesome. Just, woo, fires you up, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been scrolling through some of the heraldry here, and yeah, we see some Lannisters fighting, some Starks, Baratheons, Tarleys. You know, we see a lot of familiar... We see Tullys. we see a lot of heraldry that we recognize. Do you think that these are lesser like uh, for i'll go to for example we have um a shot of a stark who very clearly gets well
1: killed yeah that dude probably didn't live his you face know. being exploded Where like that uh,
0: uh we have a lannister uh, someone with a lannister shield that gets got mm-hmm. and we have this stark um such as a lesser cousin you think
1: it's It's I think it's okay, so let's comment on the brutality and the extreme violence of this scene. It may seem a little out of place, but the more I thought about it, the more it works for me. Rainis explains it quite well to start off with. While this is happening, it's interspersed, and that's something this episode does a lot of interspersing scenes. It does it really well. This is probably the first time in the episode it happens. So at first it's interspersed with Rainis' conversation, and then it moves on to being interspersed with the birth. Right? So the first part is this. Rainis's explanation of why the realm is so violent. Part of it is, she points out that the realm has been ruled in peace for 70 years. Now, while peace is good, you still have to manage peace properly, or the simmering violence percolates up through in this peace and blows up eventually. And she's saying that's what's happening. See, these, these men, it's been so long since they've seen a battle. Because there hasn't been real battles in Westeros for quite a while, They've forgotten what it's like. It's like Catelyn's speech to Brienne about the Knights of Summer, about they're all green, they don't know what... They're all excited for the glory of war. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> if they knew what war was like, they wouldn't be so excited. And it's also the sign of this mismanagement, of not keeping the lords from fighting each other. The reason you got to keep them from fighting each other is, yeah, Stark, a Lannister, they're killed. That's a That could potentially ignite a blood feud. And they're just letting it happen. They don't care. <laughs> they don't realize it's not that they don't care necessarily it's they don't realize the danger. They don't realize what that could lead to. And it's it's it, on one hand it's like wow this is really violent. Can they can they really get away with this? Yeah, they can. can. They Gregor They can until they can't. They can until they can't. Gregor <laughs> <Yeah>. nearly <laughs> killed Loras in the first tournament in Game of Thrones. He got away with it partly cuz he didn't actually kill anyone. I mean he did kill Sir Hugh, but that was played off as an accident. If he had actually hurt Sir Loras, that there may have been he may have had to answer for that, but Robert still didn't. He's just like, let him go, just let him go. <laughs> no punishment to Sir Gregor for that, right? So, it's not like this isn't the first time we've seen something like that. This is more extreme, but it's similar.
2: It it did irk me a little as I was watching this scene. I felt like these guys getting killed in a tournament. Even a fact that like, there's maybe some little details and exceptions to to, to Damon or whatever, but like Chris and Cole using like a a ball and chain.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like star, it, yeah.
2: that That westpin is like a it's like a, a a balance like you're giving up certain values of a sword for the deadliness yes right yes. You, you lose some maneuverability and some defense because it's so deadly if you hit how was that a
1: tournament weapon
2: right like it just yeah, damon's so using his kind of valyrian steel me,
1: blade i mean yeah <laughs> yeah
2: and so then people were getting killed and i was a little irked and i, I felt like it was an unreal presentation but then i started to realize it's not the show making a mistake it's the people running the tournament making yes. a mistake yeah. and they were risking starting a war mm-hmm. and he just kind of got lucky similar in the tournament the, the, in the game of thrones tournament a war could if if gregory killed loris the, the course of events from that point on might have been very and very what good.
1: did varus tell ned to do varus told ned to get loris tyrell on your side given what just happened and yeah, he didn't yeah. <laughs> instead he sent yeah he said he's like send loris to go attack gregor after what happened he's like no i'm gonna send beric Dondarian because he's a nobody you know and he's like no you send loris like that'll get the tyrells <laughs> on your side man like play the politics yeah. you have got a wide you got a the golden opportunity a golden rose opportunity here but he didn't take it and yeah you're right this is just they're not playing the politics like it's a, he's he's like he won't and, deign to get his hands dirty but you really should have
2: yeah and a lot of times those political maneuverings get get cast as shadiness you know characters ulterior motives often they do have ulterior yeah. motives and they are shady but also sometimes those po- political maneuverings stop wars from happening yes you know if if even if your ulterior motive is to like get your brother on the throne or to make more money off the crops still if you stop a war from happening fine you can get more money from the crops
1: if if it saves thousands of people from dying absolutely and as well this is fairly supported in fire and blood the histories tell us that in the final moments of the duel, Kristen Cole knocked Dark Sister from Damon Targaryen's hand with his Morningstar. They were I have always wondered about that. Like, why were they fighting with real weapons? I've been wondering about that since Fire and Blood came out. Or actually, I think that was in the World of Ice and Fire as well. So I've been wondering about that since 2014. So they were like, yep, that's what happened. So they they just built on that. Like, yeah, this was just in a particularly violent tournament because of the buildup, because all these violent people came here to be violent. They wanted. They haven't had a real war, and they want to do that, and they don't know what they're getting into. So, I think it fits quite well. So, like you, I was a little jarred by it at first, but thinking about it made it fit quite well. Yeah, it was you good know. Setup.
2: Also, they out jarred us with something else. Yeah, so. that's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I, you know, I'll say we we saw the first episode in um, George's cinema in the John Cocteau Theater, and so the sound was really good, and the tourney scene. Was so sorry, was so visceral. Was just like the clanging of the hooves, the ringing, like, like when Viserys later talks about his prophecies, we'll get into, and he talks about, like, oh, I heard the the ringing of shields and the clanging of hooves and the the swords. I was like, we did too. Like, I they they really emphasized (laughs) the the sound there.
2: Very true. I think they're making an active point to do that. I I, I wanted to say earlier, I want to give a lot of credit to some of the filmmaking aspects in addition to the the, you know, the the acting and and the, the this. Incredibly rich story we got to work with. The editing is really good, Mm -hmm. like you said. Like not only the tournament, but several other moments. The sort of the segues were hearing a conversation from one scene while we're witnessing another one and it kind of
1: converged. I liked that GoPro the
0: the, the POV style I have on the screen right now where you were like jousting with (laughs) That was
1: awesome. (laughs) I like the little detail too how his lance is a fist at the end. Yeah. You know, instead of it because of course they're not using spikes to, you know. (laughs) I really, I I, I think (laughs) one
2: of my favorite things
0: about the episode probably was just how good the armor was Yeah, and specifically like how much uh, there was meaning to the armor as you can see on the screen Kristen cole his armor was plain as could be he was the only one in this lineup here that didn't have a plume on his head as you see like we've got all these corbres and malisters and high towers and just really fancy armored people and then Christian Cole, yeah.
1: <laughs> and you got to really think, which
2: makes sense, right? Yeah. He's got no family, he's got no arms or whatever. It, it, it's very fitting, and I appreciate they had that detail. And arguably,
1: it's worse for him. You you think that he's probably overcome a lot of prejudice. Allison knows, oh, he's Dornish, but he's from a Stormlands house. Stormlands people don't get along with Dornish, and vice versa. So this is one so, of those it's like love, love connections. This marriage or this his parents were uh, a couple that normally would be taboo uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of circles. So. Double so, whammy for him, but he's a badass and he's good looking, so that's part of how he overcomes it. <laughs>
0: so yeah, Allison might have been a little bit racist when she said that, but I think more so she was expecting a Storm Lancer, and so she was more so surprised to see a Dornishman at all, especially because remember, Dorn is not part of the realm right now. They're yeah. not part of the Seven they're Kingdoms. They're
1: still independent, yeah. So that's, that's a, a very important too. So it's even more a taboo maybe that because they're not even from the same kingdom. Not only are they from regions that are historically at war, but yeah, they're not even in the same kingdom at this point. So that's that's a pretty big deal, and is a good setup for him uh, going forward to see what's going to happen with him. And of course, Alicent is from the from Oldtown, which they're pretty di- they're predisposed against the Dornish too. The Reach Reachmen in general and Stormlanders are tend to be a bit prejudiced against Dornish, and vice versa. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. well, let's move on. Um, any other comments on the turn? I guess my one one of my few complaints is the. Uh, they just can't help themselves with the open face helmets. But that's just a <laughs> recurring thing of all TV with war in it. They just People just don't wear full helmets. and
0: They had a lot of closed helmets, though. Most of them were closed. Most of them were You're closed. Right. I, was, so, I thought it was pretty good. That was they
1: hard. were better than normal. Yeah, it was yeah. better than normal. It was still better than most scenes like this on other TV shows. <laughs> Not to mention the action, which was do you as have good fa- as it do, gets. You
0: have a- do you have a favorite set of armor from the set?
1: Ooh. Like, I, I need to get a better look at them, but man, the Hightower, that castle yeah. armor was super cool. I'm like, I,
0: I know that probably the natural answer for most people is going to be Damon's armor, which was badass, but I was so surprised to see that Hightower armor, so I think that was mine as well.
1: You know what, I think Damon's armor armor was cooler, but I like the Hightower helmet more. I don't, yeah. The winged helmet is kind of cool to me. Um, Maybe if it had a full visor, I would like it more if it had like uh, a dragon, you know, if it had like a whole, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a complete From a helmet.
2: practical mm-hmm. standpoint, it wasn't very good, but it is striking. <laughs> yeah, You know, I mean, it, it really he is. stands out from everyone, which is part of his goal. Again. And he
1: could be just, like, flaunting it. He's like, I'm taking this extra risk because this is who I am. You know, it, that might be part of the explanation. Hmm.
2: So I, I have a thought sort of about the tournament. What are we going to segue to next? The childbirth. Okay. Then my thought will help that segue. In the uh after the Thrones. What's a little like the the behind episode, the scenes bit inside the episode. Inside the yeah. episode. Uh, one thing they said in there um that, that really stuck with me and it it affected my I think I've watched it three times at this point. They he said that they wanted to show the the what they wanted to demonstrate what the show was capable of. Mm-hmm. They wanted this to use this first episode to demonstrate what the show was capable of. And that means a lot of things. One is the amount of action that they can have which they did with the tournament but also the level of tragedy Mm. and violence you know on a lot of levels I kept thinking about that statement that he made for better or worse Mm. I I think they did it yeah
1: this won't be go ahead
0: oh I was gonna say I really appreciated watching the episode with our roommate's girlfriend who is completely unsullied doesn't really know Game of Thrones even very well she hadn't even seen the first show so she really was very unsullied and I was really I'm happy to report that she cried twice in the first episode of this show (laughs) she cried tears Tears of sadness at Emma, um, his death and when the, at the cremation and she tried and she did cry tears of joy at the end when Rhaenyra was named air it really got to her
1: and she watched it again right yeah she, immediately she, she, rewatched she did skip it, so. the birthing the second time so
0: that's uh, <laughs> one casual fan who's sold
1: but and so speaking so we'll set that up with Emma Aaron here she has this great speech to her daughter about how this is you have a royal womb they're going to make you have kids period like you it's society this is all of society's weight put on you you're not going to get away from that and she's right she's not going to get away from that but but it prepares her for that she's like look you know whatever you want to do you're you're in this role just like your father didn't really want to be king you know this he, you know, battlefields for men this is our battlefield and then it's those two things are intercut the the battlefield where these guys are Maybe they shouldn't be fighting what they are. And here we have a pregnancy that Emma probably shouldn't have had. She probably shouldn't have been put into uh, this position to have another child. She didn't
0: really want it. She didn't
1: really want it. You're right. She didn't want it. She, She knew it was her duty. So she went along with it. And it's not just her husband pushing her into it, but he's one of the main ones. If not the main one, they definitely the pressure to have an heir is really strong. Clearly, it's stated that he's wanted a son ever since they got married. He's been wanting that forever.
2: Anyone else pressuring her, he could have snuffed that out if he wanted yes, to. Yes,
1: that's but, true. Yeah. So <laughs> might
2: not have been the only one, but he was the only one that mattered.
1: So it's a really powerful scene. I think universally it was received that way. I don't think – I haven't seen too many people say it was gratuitous, although apparently may, it may have been before it was cut down. The original version of this and, and before it was released to the public was apparently a little more gruesome. But let's, let's discuss what happened here because I think there's some confusion. The maester says it's a difficult or impossible choice. It's maybe not clear, but Emma was going to die no matter what. And I think a lot of people miss that, and it causes people to have a much dimmer view of Viserys. That said, it's there's still a lot to criticize Viserys for Uh here. A lot. But it's not that he chose for her to die. That would be perhaps irredeemable. But he didn't choose that. And the inside the episode afterwards makes that 100% clear. She was definitely going to die no matter what. I mean, according to the Maester. So Viserys doesn't know. Like Maybe the the Maester's lying, but Viserys can't push back no. against the scientific
0: no. consensus. But, but no, where the issue comes is that he did not tell he just told her. Emma. They did not yeah. get her consent. They did not give her a heads up. They held her down and forcibly did this. to yes, her. Yes.
1: That's where it was wrong. He should have, they
2: didn't give, they didn't give her the choice. No. That's my biggest con- con- uh, complaint. Yeah. She would have she, chosen. Let's let's. She would have exactly chosen the, to die let her for her be child. Be the one to choose. She should be the one to choose. Well, on, from every angle you take, let her go she out bravely
1: instead of yeah yeah. So that is uh, like literally
2: even if she would have chosen to die and and, and the kid with her instead now, of. She still should have been allowed to make that choice. I agree. I agree. So, an, inter-
0: so one, an interesting thing here, and we'll get into this more in our Saturday episode that gets into book spoilers, but just uh, this is a reference um, to, a, a very similar to the story of Alyssa Valarian. That's Jaehaerys' mother and Rainis' grandmother, okay? She was given a C-section when she was giving birth to Rainis' mother, Jocelyn Baratheon. The story is that... She may have given her consent or she may not. The sources differ. And so clearly they took inspiration from that story for Emma Aaron And she did not give her consent, though. And that was case.
1: also a woman who should not have gotten pregnant. Like, an, her an husband older should woman. not have impregnated her. She was too weak from her previous... Think of uh, Elia Martell, who they said she couldn't have another child you know, with Rhaegar. And it's part of why Rhaegar went and hooked up with Lyanna. I mean, there's obviously a lot more going on there. But Elia was could not have a third child. And Rhaegar wasn't... As much of a jerk as some of these other ones, we like, ah, you can you can handle it, you know. Uh, so at least not about that much. So it's definitely there's some understanding here in the scene that may not it, be entirely clear. Uh, but, in fact,
0: Ama's own mother died in childbirth, Dale Targaryen. But on the other y- end of the spectrum, she was very yeah. young. She was eighteen. She was a little too, you know, and young. She was a very was delicate weak. person. Yeah, she was a delicate woman. because um, obviously it's not that's not super young, eighteen in general. I-
1: so, yeah, Amos, that's her, I, I her do, Targaryen mother, to be clear. Yeah.
2: She's uh, an Aaron, right? Yes. Her father Targaryen was mother, Roderick Aaron. Yeah.
1: Her mother was Daella Targaryen. Jaharis' daughter. So I yes. don't know.
2: I don't want to jump on too much of a tangent, but that I, I wonder if that's a connect. Because isn't Damon's wife. From the Vale, yeah, and The Aarons are from the Vale. I'm sure yeah. there's some sort of connection, some attempt of diplomacy to get those marriages set up. Yeah, right. You- yes. Oh. It's, yeah, The, the Stone is more, basically
1: he- the second most powerful house on the Vale, and the Aarons were the number one. So it was like the first son to the most powerful, second son to the second most powerful. But he doesn't have any kids with Raya Royce. That's important.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, you know. A, another so, little. Oh, oh, go ahead. Um, I was gonna say about this scene. Um, I want to say that I, I I'm very pro this scene. Um, This childbirth scene I normally if as anyone who listens to our show knows that I I kind of hate the dead mothers club as it's called in the fandom which is this trope of there being dead mothers But I think they did it very well to actually give Aima a, a plot line a character an arc so like she had fear she was a real character and I think that goes a long way with me personally feeling Comfortable or feeling like it, it did justice. She was to not her. fridged. Yeah, she was not fridged. Exactly. If you haven't heard the term like, fridging, it's yeah. when you
1: kill a character off right away to facilitate someone's other plot, someone it's, another character's plotline. It's male usually pain. a woman being killed for a man's plotline. Sometimes and, it's, and, it's like their whole and, and family is killed. This is, case, killed or this is <laughs> for the pain of
0: the series, but it's also for the pain of Rainier and the pain of the realm itself. Like Emma's loss is going to be felt, you know, throughout this whole season. Like I, I, it had great her, significance, yeah. and um, her
1: lesson is going to be throughout the whole yeah. season because there's going to be a lot more kids born i don't know that we're gonna have a lot more birthing scenes i don't know that we need a lot more of them but there'll probably be Mm -hmm. at least one more and there'll be a lot more kids born like that's set up like her mother tells her you're gonna have kids you know and and then alicent will have kids too you know this is there's a lot of kids coming
0: i will say if i had one criticism of of this scene it would be that we are very clearly in viserys's perspective for this scene it it is we're, we're seeing it from his eyes I think that it would have been a stronger choice to see it from Emma's perspective, and I think they could have done that with camera angles, with showing us like from her perspective being pulled down. And maybe that would have been too intense and too visceral, and maybe they tried it. But I think that I, I, I only would have liked to be more in Emma's shoes in this scenario than in Viserys. Well,
1: given that there's more coming, maybe we will. We will be maybe in, with rainera yeah, or with, Allison, uh, yeah, with we someone will. else
0: who has who gives childbirth, maybe we'll be now in their shoes and seeing it from their perspective. I think that would be. Uh, a strong choice
1: yeah <laughs> i
2: agree i have a the whole ball of thoughts yeah. on this uh
1: mm-hmm.
2: one I, I think i agree I, I thought about that too the idea of we saw it from emma's perspective and it we didn't actually hear uh melos and viserys talking mm-hmm. making but they're just decision. like whispering she just and she's just like kind of whispering and, and of then it. came and he's like i love you and they pull her down but i think that would have been too horrific like as tough as it was to watch that might have been yeah i don't know i don't know i can't imagine putting myself in a woman's shoes watching this yeah. as it is uh, but a lot uh, of
1: men needed to see that probably, you know, like we just, yeah, just, yeah. just, like, if you don't have a kid, I don't have a kid. I don't know what this is like, you know, it did it's terrifying. Like, and it's, 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 realistic in a lot of ways, not fully and it's not modern, but it's, it's happened. Like real situations like this have happened throughout history.
0: Yeah. I will say I have heard from different women that I'm friends with or know who have, have had pre- who've been pregnant, who've given birth, who are like, that was visceral traumatic triggering but good accurate real i appreciate that they did it i haven't seen i i from from the people i know who've given birth i've seen positive reactions to this yeah.
1: right on that's good well good job um, showrunners for for making an authentic birthing scene that uh, mothers have signed off on that's great
2: i wanted to say also that the i i don't believe the intent of the showrunners was to make Viserys seem more villainous with this scene. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't agree. think that's their intent, but I think it's going to happen. I also agree. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people were going to think of him as uh, as having done. And, and it it's, it is also worth noting what whatever the intent of the showrunners was that you know it still is like his instinct is still like I I try to give maybe him some credit that this is like the heat of the moment. Yeah. Like it's Mm -hmm. happening right now. He doesn't know about medicine. His advisors are telling him you have to decide now she's going to die. Like I can see him like, but I still think it's noteworthy that his instinct wasn't ask her what she thinks. Yeah. Tell her and let her, it's disrespectful. Yeah, it is. I have to do this. I have to make this decision. Yeah. You know, even if he has some noble idea of keeping a realm safe because he needs a male heir, he still doesn't occur to him to let the woman choose. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, anyway, didn't, he, didn't, he uh, didn't have enough faith in her. And I think he, would, yeah, that's, it's, he should have trusted her more. Uh, uh, one other little detail I wanted to point out going back, yeah. the,
2: the, the, I, uh, being unsullied, I didn't know this was going to happen. Mm. I, but I kind of started to be suspicious because there's one conversation, uh, you know, she was already talking about the toughness of the childbirth and she's in yeah. that bath. And he says in his dream that the baby comes out wearing a crown. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't need that <laughs> like, Ooh. Yeah. And she's like, that doesn't sound good. And I'm like, I don't yeah. think this birth is going to go well. Yeah, it was I'm meant like, to oh, be man. a joke, but you're that, right. It was going to be as bad as it was.
1: But. Yeah. And yeah, especially because your crown is like, that's the first thing. Your crown, baby is crowning. That's like the phrase when their head starts to come out. Uh, and it's the, it's, you
2: know, this idea of like, it's extra large with sharp edges and jewels. And oh no. so it's, let's
1: talk about that because the dream is part of his motivation here absolutely like he his and dreams are a huge part of the targaryen family after all we find out later aegon's dream is a huge part of how he operates in general and how prior targaryens of kings have operated and queens apparently as well but daenerys the dreamer's dream saved their whole family from the doom so this is a family that has a very good reason to take their dreams very seriously so splintering hooves i mean splinter uh, thundering hooves splintering shields ringing swords all that happened the the dragons roared as one. That did not happen necessarily. Arguably, the dragons argued uh, roared separately. Damon roared his victory. Uh, Cyrax roared at the funeral. And Caraxes roared when leaving. Those weren't as one. Maybe the roaring as one is the funeral when they were all mourning together. But another interpretation is that this dream has not yet been fulfilled, that it's yet to happen. So
2: another another line in there was the bells of the sept told that which may have
1: been like I, the morning bells or whatever. Which yeah, I, don't know I if, assume
2: that did happen. I don't yeah. remember
1: that actually happening, but it would have. They would have definitely told the bells for the queen and and the child, no doubt. Uh, and then and he play and his place his heir on the Iron Throne, which technically he was heir for a minute. So mm-hmm. that did that heir for happened. a day, yeah. 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 And then but then he, uh, yeah. So that so it was not entirely fulfilled. Arguably. So I kind of lean towards the dream is yet to be fully fulfilled. What do you think there?
2: I I think it's at least mostly fulfilled, but also just the nature of prophecies. (laughs) that There's a blur. It's hard to know exactly what it means. It can mean multiple things. And like even in his dream, think about how we witnessed that scene. It was kind of interspliced with the birth in a tournament his dream might be similar in a splice with his son's birth and Danny's birth or mm, something, you know, yeah, you see a lot okay. of ways for it to be a mesh of visions that aren't quite properly perceived in the first place, much less interpreted after the fact.
1: Right on. Okay. Uh, so we'll have more to say about dreams later. Uh, the dreams will be a, a in and out topic throughout the season, I would think. And certainly more in this episode, let's take a little mid roll segue here couple of questions and uh love from y'all we got a shout out from rebecca bellick Rebea lady of waves thanks for that rebecca send just want to send some love via super chat so happy to be back baby she says so are we the hype is real we are in it now folks we're having some great times with so much more to come we're just getting started Mm-mm. It's a good time to be us. <laughs> Bosmane says, after Harris announced the choice for King from the council scene, it seemed like he was disappointed with the choice. Did he want Raines instead? You know, we sort of referred to that at the beginning, how he seemed a little chagrined. Like, You know, yeah.
0: I, I like the year that he... Jerry's would have had a front runner. Like, he would have had someone that he kind of wanted more than anyone else. He might have been like, he might have thought Viserys will be best for the realm because there won't be issues of succession, but he might have secretly been like, Rainis is my favorite granddaughter. I wish it was her.
1: Yeah, and we see from, like, the tourney scene the way she seems to break down what's happening. She seems to have a greater understanding of what's going on. That just it kind of implies that she is smarter about what's happening, and she would have ruled things differently. Like, if I was in charge, these... This tournament wouldn't be so out of hand. It's kind of the implication, especially with her very serious husband at her side, who also seems to be on top of things and taking things seriously. So, those two, you could see, like, they seem more competent. I have
0: to wonder <laughs> if the vote also was, you know, when they voted for Viserys, they were voting for a Targaryen married to a half Targaryen, you know, so it was doubly relevant, and they would have been voting for a woman who's married to a black man. Yeah. So I have to wonder if they were already not favored to win for a few other reasons beyond even her own gender, right?
1: Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I wonder about that. I wonder if like, if there's do, any does
0: Corlys fa- face. I guess that would be the yeah. question. Does Corlys, do Coralees and the Valarians face any racism in Westeros for their skin color? Yeah. For now, I assume
1: that. Maybe only a little. It certainly wouldn't be anything like, say, American racism. Yeah, wouldn't you know. I don't <laughs> think they would be
0: as I don't think people would be as racist to them as they would be to Christian Cole, to the Dornish. I agree.
1: I agree. Um, That's, it's much, much but quote I think unquote worse be to be Dornish. <laughs> but I think
0: there would be some. Yeah. I do.
1: And they may have, been, they may have some fear about how powerful he was. Because Corlys was the richest man in Western. So people might not want him in charge. Like specifically because he's so powerful. They might want to keep him on in check.
2: And they might want Viserys in charge because if they think he's... they can manipulate him. Absolutely, if they, he's less likely to push things on them. And, you know. So I think you're right. Uh,
1: th- I, I sort of interpreted that dis- disappointment from Jaehaerys as well. I wasn't sure if it was just him being tired or not, and it, it's hard to say. But I, I, I felt a little of that too.
2: It was, uh, it was also another comment made in the the after the Thrones. What was it called again? Behind, it, the inside, the, inside the episode. Inside yeah. the episode. Inside the episode. I uh, always want to think it's like after the throne or like <laughs> clever name, but after the episode, anyway, uh, he said in there, it was something that like shifted a gear in my brain that Viserys didn't ask for this, right? Yeah. He didn't expect to be king. He didn't want to be he king. He didn't push for he, it. Yeah. Like, right. Like I said, he seems to be accepting the responsibility, but he doesn't seem <laughs> to, it seems like he got it more for, you know, political and reasons of appearance or whatever, rather than, his ability as a leader
1: mm-hmm. whereas Visery or Which, Corlys apparently was bribing going around bribing people to try and make sure Rainies happened but it, it, <laughs> oh, it <didn't>. interesting, yeah. <laughs> I, I
2: was about to say that, that on some level that might be better like unless if the choice is between a leader who is certainly going to start a war or starve the people and a great leader, right? Or if the choice is between someone who might be a great leader but might start a civil war just because of who they are. I, I could see why you might, the, like, the, the pros and cons of the great leader versus the perception of the role of the leader might stop a war or something Yeah, from absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's true. Makes, that's
1: true. So, yeah, so that's a real balance. That might but, be why Viserys, That's might be why Jhaerys called the council in the first place because he's like... Well, I can see downsides to either. He's, I want to just see, this way we get people to swear, and they're more bought in on the choice, rather than him just naming an heir, which may not go well, because he doesn't have the vibe of the realm at this and doesn't know who will be more supported. So he's like, well, let's just call a vote. And that way, and it work, It kind of worked out that it was overwhelming, because that's a good thing in terms of, like, outlook. You're like, okay, if it was close, yeah. there might be a war over it later, but...
2: Yeah, you might think that you could win people to your side if it's close, yeah, and, and overwhelm or to but, but if it's a by and far, like uh, I guess I kind of have to go along. Yeah, the losing side
1: isn't going to be like, oh, we were so close with they when they lose like by that much, the vote is that out of whack. Yeah. They're not like, well, we we should, well, okay, we got to give up here. There's there's just not enough support for us. So it it makes things more clear where everyone stands. So that's kind of an interesting message that the whole council sent. JC says, why is Damon so needy for his brother's approval? Where does that come from? I think that's a standard younger brother, older brother relationship. I think it's very common. I think there's more to it. There probably is more to it. I think, but it is. I think... I think
0: it's because they lost their father and mother. I think it's because they're orphans. I that's think that it's going it's, it's to be more. It's going to come out even more than normal.
1: That is a great point. You're right. That's probably very strong because their father was Balon. That's partly why he named his, this heir for a day was named Balon because that's their father's name. And yeah, he died young. He did die pretty young. He was Hand of the King and uh, he died of like an ulcer, stomach ulcer, it's not entirely sure, but it, it was almost certainly not foul play. He just, just a really unlucky like Dark Ages medieval infection that would have been cured in modern times pretty easily, especially someone of his wealth. But in that day, yeah, there was no, you get to cut, you get to cut you open to solve that problem and they don't, They don't do that on Mm -hmm. a whim, you know. (laughs) Like, let's not cut you open. Um,
2: You know, I'm really glad this came up because I'm a huge fan of Better Call Saul, mm -hmm. and there's a similar brotherly rivalry in that show where at different points each brother has supported or worked against the other. There's like a
0: law-abiding brother versus wild brother dynamic. You know,
2: law-breaking,
1: get away with stuff, but still has a good streak. And,
2: And a lot of people get hurt in the wake of their. Conflict with each other. Yeah. I, I can't stop seeing all the parallels between. Yeah, it's them. pretty pretty
1: good. Yeah, there's worse there's worse comparisons <laughs> to be made for sure. I like that one a lot. Let's talk a little bit about uh, themes and patterns one of my favorites that we noticed here is the physical manifestation of stress which is a very human way to portray things i really like this there's several examples of it viserys's back sore it says it was given to him by the iron throne he leaned on it funny then it festered very symbolic as i said before not attending to things properly letting them get out of hand letting them get worse cuz he just is a little a little lazy would rather be doing other stuff maybe Maybe lazy is not the right word. But and compare that to Damon's resorting to heavy handedness with the city's crime. Like he has, to, he has to cauterize this festering wound of crime in the city because he let it get so bad that they're like, you shouldn't have handled it that way. You shouldn't go out there chopping hands off and cutting off penises and stuff like that. And they're like, and maybe they're right. They probably are right. But on the other hand, they don't, they have not looked at the problem. They don't know how bad it's got. And when Damon says, it's gotten so bad that I had to do this. Who's to say he's wrong? I mean, he might very well be exaggerating. I suspect he is exaggerating a bit. But they didn't check. They just assume he's going too far, and none of them are looking at the problem. They're just like, we don't like how you're handling this problem that we haven't checked into at all on ourselves. (laughs) So it's kind of like, how can you quibble with the solution when you haven't even looked at the problem? Well, because it's so damn violent. But on the other hand... They still haven't looked at it.
2: I've got a few thoughts on this, but it's I feel it's more connected to other things we're going to talk about. If you were going through like the, the stress, yeah, I want to go through, let's, let's let's keep here, it with but,
1: the stress stuff yeah. there. So we'll come back to that. But so this is a thing with Viserys, and then later he, you know, he cuts his hand on the throne while arguing with Damon, and that's very symbolic because it's blood on the throne right when he changes the name of his heir. So that's just mm-hmm. standard symbolism for blood is coming. <laughs> And the, the danger of the
2: throne, the yeah. sacrifices you have to make, the blood that gets shed, you know, even when it's not war necessarily, maybe. And
1: Viserys cutting himself multiple times is a recurring theme that he's not fit to sit the throne. Um, that's been suggested in, in the original source material as well. Alicent bites her fingernails and has, like, torn up cuticles. Very great detail, a little uncomfortable, but I get it. That's one I have. I acquired that from my mother. My mother had this, had this habit, and I had that problem when I was younger. And it's a very realistic way for anxiety to play out. Um, you yeah. know,
0: someone said it in the chat, but uh it's true. We also have the same dynamic we see with Damon and Viserys, Chuck Jimmy, we kinda see here with Alice and Rainiera, the rule breaker and the law abider, you know. Yeah, um, and, and the little, little nerd, uh, yeah, Chuck Allison, had his, his the adventure seeker
2: and the book reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: it's a, it's you a, know, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic that is popular, so it makes sense to see it come up multiple places.
1: And Damon himself isn't immune to it. He had trouble. He couldn't finish with Missouri he was having sex with her and he just like couldn't he just like stopped because he was like stressed out or angry or all of the above and that's pretty interesting it gave him even more care like he's clearly not just some sociopath if he's just after his own pleasure and he's distracted by these other things that's that's it's not a situation you can necessarily put yourself in you can't sympathize with being the heir and having all this wealth and all this other stuff that's not these aren't normal human problems but you know being so wrapped up about something in your head having such a big problem with things going on in your life that it has a physical manifestation that's very realistic and very um something you can all latch onto as as a common person
2: there could easily be sort of a loop but i and it makes more sense even for it to be but i was wondering if he was like overcompensating if he had some sort of erectile dysfunction he was overcompensating with violence and you know just being mad at his brother maybe. and stuff like that yeah. but maybe the violence his role with his brother is affecting his sexual performance and Maybe they feed each other and make each other worse. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was a super interesting choice for them to make there because yeah, it's like they're trying to show this like very highly masculine guy and his he's got his you know his position, he's got his dragon and his sword and he's this badass, but yeah, he's having trouble in the bedroom. Like that's it, yeah. It just occurred to me
2: how insulting he was to his wife. That might also be overcompensation.
1: Ooh, good point. Yeah, he's like maybe he just can't perform with her Maybe, yeah <laughs> and somebody's blaming yeah. her for it so but he not because she's bad about her but really it's yeah <laughs> no, man, that's yeah. It's on you bro <laughs> <laughs> your your dark sister can't stand straight <laughs> <laughs> and Rhaenyra as well her the physical manif- manifestation of her anxiety and nervousness is extremely well done when she's in the final scene when she's being made queen or the heir rather she's shaking and breathing heavily like she's breathing really fast her face is flushed she has to like fix her posture because she realizes she's slumping it's very well done and not only is and it comes right after her father gives us gives her all these grave seekers like not only is it a big deal to be queen but it's the most dangerous seat in the world. And by the way, a song of ice and fire, <laughs> you know, so yeah. <laughs> she has this massive weight dropped on her, which she was not prepared for. Cause she goes her whole life expecting to be replaced. She's like, yeah, she doesn't like the idea. And she, as Allison points out, she's refuses to admit just how much it bothers her, but she still expects it. She's still expected to be replaced. And then all of a sudden, no, you're the heir and, and she wasn't raised that way. She wasn't taught for these. She wasn't brought to council meetings. She, well, she was as a, as a cup bearer, but she not, she wasn't being raised to rule. You know what I mean? It's a big difference. It's like Rob was always by Ned's side, being prepared to rule. Whereas Rainier or not, you
2: know, it, by the way, not just them being personally prepared, but everyone around them being prepared to accept them as the heir. Yeah. That's also, mm-hmm. important. yeah. And
1: she's worried about and that. And also,
2: yeah. and also her in this new role, like in this most dangerous seat in the realm. And also with this burden of this, this dream being passed on as prophecy to fulfill, it didn't take away her obligation to have a kid.
1: It, it, right? it, it arguably increases it. That yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So, and she just saw her mother die doing it and her mother's mother died doing it. So like, that's terrifying.
2: And it's been made clear to her that the, the, the sexism that she'll face along the way, like it's you know, on and on. It's like, I, I, it's it's unbearable. The level I, of pressure. Yeah. No wonder. Her mind. Yeah. No wonder
1: she's anxious. And and the, yeah. the portrayal is of her breathing heavily and all that. Yeah. Like how could you even? Yeah. You're right. It's like I couldn't possibly imagine what what she's going through. Let's talk about a little more about that scene. That's the segue of you know, The coronation. By the way, scene. There, there's even one more little
2: thing that's going on in her, her brain. Uh, that I, I want to go ahead and mention now. I'm not sure where it's going to fit elsewhere, but she seems to. Respect, if not idolize her uncle, Damon, right? Mm -hmm. But it's two different times. She's kind of exposed to him not being so good, yeah. right? She was in a council room when they were talking about what he, I think, when yeah, about she was. what he had done, and, and you know, and that that uh, with the city watching everything, there's got to be a little piece of her being like, "Really?" She My heard br-? that she hair for, she heard the
0: heard, air for a day thing
2: for a day. Yeah. Oh, she that's reacted so, to that. The also, camera think, went to her.
0: I think she happened. reacted more so to the fact she's like, "Oh, like he's going to be in trouble for that." More so than maybe her being like, "Oh, that was a terrible thing for him to do." I think, she, I think her mind was spinning off of what the the um ramifications the of that the implications was, of that were yeah exactly yeah. I, I think that one way the other of. is just
2: one other burden one other gear <laughs> in her brain she's got to count for in a mess of everything else yeah so. and
1: she's a teenager <laughs> who just likes <laughs> flying and hanging out with allison you know <laughs> and wants cake she loves cake, cake. yeah <laughs> i know what oh, she said lemon cake yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's like Devil's, well, Damon's food cake, you yeah. hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: know. <laughs> so the coronation scene, there's some subtle moments besides what we've described already here. You've got Boromir Baratheon who pauses before kneeling and he looks a little like he's unhappy about this. And there's a couple of ways to interpret this. One, the most straightforward, I think, which I'm not sure is accurate, but one is that he just doesn't want to kneel to a woman. But I don't know that that's it. Because he was happy to kneel and get the favor of Rhaenys, the queen who never was his, uh, who in book canon is
0: his niece. his niece,
1: but here they're saying cousin. So I don't so know if there's a small change ch- or either
0: they've changed it or they just call each other cousin because it's easier to call someone that sometimes.
1: Yeah, and he and Sir Harold Westerling also tells Rhaenyra that whoever this Cole guy is, he just beat both the Tarly boys or Tarly lads. He says lads. And we, I mean, sorry, Baratheon lads. And we only saw him beat one Baratheon lad and one Tarly lad. So the other one presumably happened off screen. Just, they're just implying, well, he beat two Baratheons and a Tarly. So there is more Baratheons that we don't see, and that that fills it out a bit. Either way, so yeah, Rainies is his kin. So he's thinking, well, if this woman's going to be queen, why wasn't, you know, he's like a little sour that his family didn't get it. So that's, to me, that's more likely, but it could be both. He just, he doesn't want to follow a teenage girl, but, uh, I-
2: that makes sense to me. By the way, I I do remember thinking in that moment that it was an awkward pause, but I didn't. My mind didn't follow through on why that was. But now it I'm makes glad you sense. noticed it. Yeah,
1: because yeah, that that shows that they were aiming for that. Because we already knew, like seeing they like, oh, he's upset, you know. And then <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I, I wondered if like was there some history? Did they have a relationship? I, I guess they have a familial relationship, but the yeah the the history is that he felt like this woman in the past should have been in charge and she wasn't. And so now this new woman is being put in charge and it may, I could see it takes a minute for him to process that. And maybe in a, in its grand scheme of things, it's progress, I guess it's good. You know, it doesn't make sense for them to backtrack to yeah. the, to <laughs> her at this point. That, that would have been more troublesome or, you know, so we see Hobart more Hightower yeah. conflict. We
1: yeah. see Hobart Hightower, Corlys Velaryon, a lot of others unseen. We see a star. We see a Stark, particularly important because we see this scene is intercut with the Song of Ice and Fire reveal, which is another excellent combination of scenes happening together. And when he describes the part part of Aegon's dream that describes the cold winter coming out of the north, we have Lord Stark pledging... To it, It's really nicely done. It's right when the Stark is named is when he's talking about the cold north, the winter, the darkness, this, this force that's going to come at some point in the future. Super nicely done there. Nice parallels mirroring, whatever you want to call it. Love that so much.
0: And yeah, you'll note this is a silver-haired, gray-haired Stark. That's because this will not be the Stark that's relevant going forward. Yeah.
1: This dude's going to die. His son's going to be the relevant one. This so... is Rickon. It's going to be his son Cregan that will matter. So, in fact... This guy's going to die pretty soon, and, and if, yeah. if they follow book canon, Bernard, Uncle Bernard is going to take over and uh cregan will have to fight his way to reclaim his rights because mm. bernard's gonna be like the regent. And i
0: guess one of those starks just died at the tourney too <laughs> that was probably
1: bernard's son i bet yeah. that was one of bernard's kids
0: oh, yeah, something like that yeah. um, Do we know
2: anything about casting is cregan Scar- stark or bernard Stark? It'll, it'll, it'll be
0: first se- it'll be a season two it'll be season um, two, that, yeah. that's kind of why they have this you know they can they show us these people who are going to die um and then yeah. recast it i thought it was really smart what it's they did at cast, the tourney yeah. with like they showed gwayne hightower just in in a helmet for example, so that you, they don't necessarily have to cast people until they actually need to use them. The yeah. helms kind of worked out for them in that yeah. time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we know from the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder, they save a lot of money by not having him speak lines. <laughs> That's right. uh-huh. Yeah, he's an extra. He just goes... <laughs>
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> he points his yeah.
2: lance, and you're like, "Ouch!" You know, you can't even say "ouch." Hey. It's like,
1: "Oh, just, just bleed and and breathe heavily." <laughs> yeah, they can clap. They can clap, yeah, they can clap or bang their lance <laughs> on the ground. Yeah.
0: But yeah, we saw that Hobert Hightower too. He also won't be very relevant going forward. Another, you know, these again. This is we're gonna have some big time jumps going forward here.
1: Yeah. So they have a little more room to play, and of course, there's characters like as we've seen. In the real world and in Game of Thrones, a lot of times the the name of a kid is their grandfather or great-grandfather's name. These families have these traditional names they reuse a lot. And, of course, according to the showrunners, they aren't going to be too shy about keeping those in place. They're going to assume we're smart enough to figure all that out rather than changing it to, to make it simpler. So... Well, you're a listener of History of Westeros. You're probably more on the advanced side of things anyway. The names don't bother you. In fact, you probably prefer they keep the canon names. We certainly do. So even though it's more of a You'll challenge. You'll become more prefer. advanced. That's true. You'll become more advanced by listening to
2: History of Westeros. I know I have. Certainly
1: that is the goal. Let's talk about some of the individual characters. Uh, a little, Getting a little deeper into who they are. Setting them up a little more. Fleshing them out a little more and then we'll move on uh, to our final couple of sections here we're still going to talk about some callbacks and references some lore and history and then we'll do our favorite moments as part of our outro and then that will be it okay characters there's multiple examples we've seen of actors given more freedom to develop the personality of their character this is a function i think of the open-ended nature of the source material fire and blood a lot of times promotes up to three versions of certain events and the reader's left to sort of interpret, sort out what may have happened. Now, the show is going to have to be a little more specific with some of these things, but it also is able to give you that uncertainty in some places. For example, with the air for a day scene, we never actually see Damon say air for a day. It's, he, it's a, he, he's confronted with it and he doesn't deny it, but he doesn't actually, we don't actually see him say it. So we don't get to see how he says it, right? Was he gleeful? Was he somber?
0: We, and we see Mazzaria was in a celebratory mood, but I yes. don't think that Damon really was. I think he was trying to distract himself from his own stress, like we were talking about.
1: This um, is something we're going to ask Ryan Condal about, because I think it's really unique. You you don't see a lot of actors and uh, given this much leeway to decide their own person, their own characterization of their role they're playing. So we've got several examples from casting notes about like for example, Matt Smith, apparently it was his idea to add more uh emotion to the funeral scene from his perspective for him to be the one that steps up and you know was the mature one there and it was and we were told that Allison, the actress playing Allison Emily Carey, she journaled in character offset and i you know in between scenes to to develop herself a little more and to get more in character, which I think is awesome and I, w- I just wonder what other things that are maybe a little bit new in uh, from behind the scenes that they're doing for the show that seems pretty interesting cuz usually they're given lines and not that much room let alone the ability to change scenes you know and and act you know affect the scenes and things like that so i think that's really interesting i wonder if that's just a a new way of show running or i, I don't know a whole lot about show running so we'll just have to Shelve that and ask him about that. So if you have if you have some related questions for Ryan, we'd be happy to maybe squeeze those in if they're um, something that we would uh, that we haven't thought of.
2: There's definitely a different schools of thought and different techniques by directors or whatever. Usually in a bigger production like this, it's a little bit more regimented. Yeah, you know, do it like this
1: exactly. Uh, it's like those shows that in have comedies.
2: It's much more likely to take several cuts. You have the actors riff, pick the funniest one. Yeah, there's like almost improvish. Like
1: this, but this is yeah, you're right. You don't yeah. see that. In yeah, a lot of comedies like
0: in particular, they take the the standout parts of the char- the actors that are playing it and weave it into the character. You know, be there like, oh, well, you're very good at doing this, so let's just write that into your character.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, they give them room to improv in a way that they've have shown they are very capable of. Uh, so, Viserys, we talked about him. He's a pleaser, but it's... He's a people pleaser, you could say, but it's mostly limited to, to other powerful men. He doesn't seem to care that much about pleasing the women around him. Until the end, when he apologizes very profusely. And it's a good apology. Sure, it probably should have been sooner, but better late than never. It was a really good scene. He took her seriously finally she was very moved by it it was what she had been kind of wanting to hear for 13 or 15 years or I'm not sure how old she is and yeah he we obviously saw how he didn't take emma as seriously as she should have that's a pretty strong example of that so yeah not the most well suited to be king definitely not the worst as i said Magor clearly worse anis was worse as well um niece was even more of a people pleaser, even more of a softy. So yeah, and you saw, we saw what happened there, civil war. So when you have a soft king in an aggressive realm, people looking for their opportunity to, to make their way up and to cause violence to, in the name of their own ambition, you got to have a strong hand to manage that. And I don't mean a strong hand like Otto Hightower. I mean, I meant more like a firm grip, but also a strong hand helps. And Otto is not weak, but his focus is... More on his own family's ambition himself, which is a funny thing. Let's we can move on to Damon with that. Damon says he's a second son who's you know got to steal everything. He's like Damon, he you're to a second son. Steal everything
0: <laughs> he has. Yeah, 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 you're a second yeah. son of a second son.
1: Yeah, and your own father was a second, so you're a second son of a second son. Yeah, it's yeah. like so are you, man. Yeah, so and there's a lot of the Batman, uh, the Spider-Man meme of Otto and Damon. They're like he's the bad guy. Now he's the bad guy. It's like you're both kind of bad guys you know you're both doing things that are pretty evil um we don't just because
2: person a identifies person b as being bad doesn't mean person a is not bad right and yes
1: and (laughs) another
2: thing too a lot of times people project themselves onto others like someone who is honest even naive might be blown away to find out that someone lied to them whereas someone who is a a dishonest conniving person is suspicious that everyone else there is same already. Are are so for the if lines. Damon as a second son knows that he's maneuvering for more power, he's more likely to be suspicious of Otto doing the same thing. He knows thing what
1: other second son. son, he's got that second son mindset yeah. too. He's like, of course he's doing that. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's not wrong they're, they but they are not
2: realize or admit that he's doing it too, but he, his mind is in tune to it. Yeah,
1: they they are. They're both, they both definitely have that second son syndrome of sorts. You, you could say, I think. <laughs> and yeah, so he's constantly in his brother's shadow, You know, the gold cloak stuff is a little interesting. He is the first one to give them their gold cloaks. That's the term that's used into the modern series. But Damon founded that. Before that, there was just kind of a generic city watch that wasn't super established. Damon, you know, brought them up a level. Um the th- you have this kind of a thin gold line here Sarah? Yeah I've,
0: I just want to say I have to give a shout out to all the many jokes I've seen on Twitter making fun of Damon for being a cop <laughs> uh, the, You know Calling him you know All gold cloaks are bastards <laughs> I've seen I've seen a a tweet that was Damon's house flag and it was the thin blue line flag but with a thin gold line and so you know that's obviously uh, I don't want to get too much into that but like I I As much as Damon could be redeemable for some things, like he, this is police brutality that he's he's an undertaking here that he is championing that he is saying this is the way it has to be. He is very pro this decision.
1: Yeah, Um, and I'm just I'm real torn about this. Like I obviously don't support just like all these summary justice and dismemberments but i also just don't have a handle on how bad it is are there really just murderers I, I running around think in the streets that
0: Otto was out of touch i think i yeah. agree that Otto is out of touch and that there probably is a lot of crime in king's landing i yeah. don't agree that this is the solution to it but i also I don't think i that, have yeah. a good solution that would be quick
1: yeah also agree with that
2: yeah, the, yeah well, well here's a couple things to keep in mind we don't get an exact timeline, but it's not like he just suddenly did this last night. He was given the gold cloaks a long time ago and a big budget. It took him a and while to finally train them. he has yeah. reappeared yeah. with a bunch of like yeah. violent mercenaries on the street. He was training. Them, he could have yeah. spent that. He could have spent that time working with the 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 maester of laws and
1: figuring out like setting up yes. a
2: system of justice and some trials and uh, you know uh, there's a lot of other ways he could have done he did and he he's had at least some amount of time to work on it but he went the violent power grabbing way
1: yeah and, and um, i think it's partly their I fault they appointed a violent man for this problem like what did they expect yeah right like th- this problem existed before damon was set to it so they if they had handled it sooner maybe given someone with a lighter touch like yeah, exactly. I think I think what did they expect by putting him in charge of this? Is and he goes? I hope you don't have to maim half my city. To he's like, time will tell. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> time, time will tell. Yeah, but was. I was, also, I was cool.
2: really thinking of Damon as like the the villain and prote- and antagonist of this show. It's really how I was perceiving him. The the one line I'm not, not going to quote it exactly correct, but he said something like, um, uh, "You know, you, you don't want the streets to be full of like." terror and crime do you and I felt like he was saying like lawlessness he's like I'm the terror (laughs) me and my men we don't have to follow the laws you better be afraid of me I've got this power now I, that, that's kind of how I was interpreting yeah. it That, that he, was, he was It was sort of a veiled threat He's like yeah. Look I can round up the criminals But I can get you and your family also Think of a veiled and, threat uh, They were
1: trying to They sent him back to the veil Hey <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> No it's like It's like Rorschach right He's like I'm not trapped in here with you You're trapped in here with me You're trapped in here with me Yeah <laughs> And I, I also
2: That line when he said Time will tell I was like Oh my god What is this guy gonna do I, I got a little bit Different perspective I'm trying to look at it A little different differently though Once again From that After the episode Inside the episode um because i think it was ryan condell said he's a complicated guy but he's not a monster and my instinct was like is he, seems he not like a monster, a monster. Like, yeah he seems kind of yeah, monsters, like but well, I, I feel like okay you know, i'll listen to the intent of the showrunner you know yeah. maybe i'm, I'm reading yeah. too a monster think, wouldn't have yeah.
1: done that's had done what he did at the funeral i think for example like if he was a total yeah. monster i think maybe what ryan meant was he's not a total monster he has some monstrous qualities. Yeah, that... That,
0: that's how I interpret it: is that Damon is not a mon, is not a total monster. He has monstrous qualities, but he has redeemable qualities, and he has vulnerabilities. Yeah. Most importantly, the
1: comparisons to Megor are going too far. Megor did not have these good qualities; he only had the monstrous qualities. He did not yeah. have any sort there of was, mitigating, balancing factors. Was...
0: Damon cares what his family no. thinks. Yes, he, you know, just... he cares about total some proof. things.
1: Yeah. There is a difference,
2: though, between not being a total monster and being a good guy, right? Yes, and exactly. He, he, call, he's he did not call Damon
0: night. a good guy.
2: Yeah,
1: he's not a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any yeah. of us will call him that.
2: <laughs> no. While we're talking about him, I want to point out one other little thing that I noticed. That I don't know if they did it intentionally, but I, I, I look for these details, meaning in these moments. He gave... Uh, uh, rhaenyra's rhaenyra rhaenyra Mm -hmm. that valyrian steel necklace necklace, yeah the valyrian steel necklace he took off a gold necklace she had on to put that there yeah Yeah. or she took it off then later he says king's landing is going to fear the color gold (laughs) gold clothes but i wonder (laughs) i i I wonder how deep that goes i wonder if maybe he's accepting some responsibility as the, the 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 bad cop Right, yeah. So that she or other people can be the go. People don't have to be afraid of her, even if she makes like a tough decision. Yeah. he'll be the enforcer, so they don't have to be afraid of her. But they have to be afraid. I don't know if they meant for that symbol- symbolism to be there, but it's an
1: interesting moment. I'm he- glad you brought that scene up because it happens very early in the episode, and then by the end of the episode, those two who are pretty friendly in that moment, there's some familial tenderness, maybe a, a little Damon's grooming her a little bit. Maybe that implication is there. It's, that's up to you to to judge. But they're clearly by the end of the episode, they're cast on opposite sides like, well, I'm on air and I'm the one who was just set aside. So now we're no longer. Yeah.
0: And Damon takes off n- not to go to his wife, but he leaves with his lover, Lady Mazaria.
1: Clearly not going to the veil if he brings his lover with him. Like, that's a pretty strong implication, which Mazaria is a good thing for us to talk about as well. She comes off kind of as an enabler, doesn't she? Kind of like yeah.
2: encouraging some real of his horse behavior. I just want to say, sure. Before we get into that, I real quick I wanted to go back to like uh, thinking about how they're presenting things to us and yeah. they start off with a dragon and then, you know, Rhaenyri's and a king's landing. Uh, they also, we first see Damon sitting, sitting on, on the on Iron Throne. throne. <laughs> yeah. And the king's guard being like, what the like, can't do can't do like, He's, a, he's like, you not do that. He's very affronted. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, th- I think that was very telling. That that scene, the way they presented I'll, that to us. Sorry, but I'll
0: also say to connect to Mazaria and all that. One, I really liked how they had Damon and Rhaenyra speaking to one another in High, High Valyrian, both as a way to show their intimacy, to way a way to show their closer ties to their Valyrian heritage, a way to let them keep secrets from other people. Like it, it worked on a lot of levels for me. Yeah.
1: He um, sounded more wait, severe. And Peterson employed. Yeah, David yeah. Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, you
0: know, worked out very well. Yeah. Um, and I also, you, you catch that little thing from Mazaria that she's a little. You can tell that she's not oblivious when she asks hey do you maybe want me to bring in a third person maybe someone with silver hair she clearly has clocked they're like (laughs) hey Damon is into his his own race of people yeah yeah very much yeah and and the whole like valyrian
1: steel thing was really cool he has dark sister which is the sword that used to be wielded by Visenya and remember when
0: oh yeah we've got our Visenya
1: we've got our Visenya already they're talking about him he's even wielding her sword and yeah she was the she was the older sister of Aegon but Aegon was the king so she was still behind the scenes and was in charge of a lot but she was very severe and uh not very willing to be authoritative and violent if need be but she was less chaotic than than Daemon to be sure
2: I'm glad you pointed that out because I wasn't sure what she, what he meant by we've already got our I just assumed he was talking about Rhaenyra.
1: Oh. Yeah, no, he
0: was ta- yeah, I know he was definitely talking about Dave. I didn't know
2: enough about who Vecenia was to, to get that
1: parallels. And from. that's uh, important as well. Keep that in mind, you know, uh, that she named that figure. Uh, that's something to file away for later.
0: Yeah, you know, so uh, speaking of Rhaenyra, right, I personally loved how funny she was yeah <laughs> like i was like a nice surprise for me i didn't like honestly like in the show like some uh, reading articles reading reviews are like there's no Tyrion character there's no this there's no that rain was that character to me she's the one who's like i just want to eat cake i just you know she's like f the septa like she was the uh you know n- the irreverent, irreverent uh, character of the bunch yeah and, um,
1: and Allison is more like the if, if we're using your jimmy and and chuck from better call Saul, the law breaking brother and the 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 sort of chaotic one it's a similar relationship except they're not actually related in this case Alicent is the rule follower she's the one that we got to do what the septa says we got to do our lessons you know we got to follow the rules we're not going around on dragons where Rainier is like a little more she's the more chaotic you know does what she wants also she has less restrictions you know and she's also parented differently she's got the absentee father kind of Viserys who's more focused on his models and ruling and having a son, you know, and whereas Otto is just hardcore ambitious, like always looking for an angle. Which... I would
0: I'm very curious to know how long ago Allison's mother died one mm. and two what Allison's relationship with Emma was because we get good that question. brief moment where Allison is in the room when Rainier goes to see her mother and she says hi they seem know, a little proper maybe. she seems proper with formal, her maybe. but you know if it's your, your daughter's best friend from childhood who you grew up with and your daughter's best friend lost her mother I feel like they mm. might have had some intimate moments over time Allison point. and Emma like I I feel like if Emma was a decent woman, she would have reached out to Allison after her mother died and tried to connect with her. That's a
1: good point. Yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to agree with that. Speaking of intimate moments, we get this very seedy move by Otto where if you weren't sure about Otto before, you're like, oh, this is the kind of man he is. When he sends his daughter to comfort the king, and you know what he's trying to do. He's all concerned about the succession. He wants her to dress, like, real nice, you know? Like, he's trying to get her... He's trying to start I something. I
2: wanted to ask that. I was like, yeah. I don't just have a dark mind. No, you're it's right. It's not just me. Is that what's happening here? Your cynicism
1: here? is completely accurate. He's trying to get something going there. He's trying to get her to... Like, he's trying to get... The, the king is vulnerable. She's young and pretty. That's totally what he's angling for.
0: <laughs> yeah, although, you Getting know...
1: a little too soon. Yeah, and, and, I, I don't know, man. Yes, it is too soon. And I
0: think, honestly, my... I, As awful as it was, I was like, he didn't really give her any guidance there. Like he didn't. He just knew it was going to happen. He just knew. Like, but like you know, like you would think that he might have done any number of things to help facilitate this like i'm again i I, to be clear i think this is terrible but if you're gonna send your daughter into the king's room maybe like write a message to the king for her to bring to him as like an excuse Mm. or tell her to read the book it seems like allison came up with her strategy on her own she decided okay i'll come i'll read him a book i'll connect with him about our shared loss i think she was genuine in that that she was was genuine but i think she she knew that that was a, a cunning choice like i I don't think she was oblivious to the fact that like i need to have an angle to talk to him
1: yeah i agree yeah she that's the moment when he says maybe wear your mother's dress where i think it's the line that is it's still very subtle he's not coming out and saying it it's super well done because he just kind of knows you put a young girl and a grieving man in a room together and you know it's just like it might happen and he's like well what's the risk to him like if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen if it does happen he's even closer to power his daughter is has a connection or relationship with the king like that's that's Should the kind of thing he wants to
2: him is losing his daughter's respect i don't know he's like. not too worried about that i guess maybe he doesn't right. care about it I or he thinks maybe he doesn't
1: consider that a risk maybe he doesn't see that as a problem or he doesn't foresee that as an issue i mean maybe, he might
0: think she um, won't respect me if i don't care carry about our, yeah. our um futures you know like i don't i don't know that he necessarily would think anything that, he, that he's doing is bad yeah so I more to like, come i'm looking there. for her yeah. i'm looking out for her best interests is probably how he thinks about it i, I don't think he feels shitty about doing it
1: yeah and I this Yes. And it's it's not entirely shady, right, like we know it is because of his motives, but like yeah, Was
0: he it? needs comfort, well, it's he right, does, he yeah. is sad,
1: he does need this, and Allison. Turns out to be a fantastic choice given the way she approaches it. Yeah, she's, she's like, I wanted someone to say I'm sorry, that was a great line. Yeah, yeah, like she that was really good dialogue. You know? You know, it does come off as genuine.
0: Yeah, she doesn't seduce him. She's no. not coming in with that perspective. I don't no. know how long was seduction might take or, you know, whether she succeeds, et cetera.
1: Yeah, it's a slow burn. I think I think Otto sees that. That it'll be he's gonna be traumatized for us. It's gonna take a while to recover. There's no rush here, but get started now. Be the one, get initiative. She's the one positioned to Benefit from his, you know, the, his sadness, and he so needs I new people I guess you can find to. some
2: positive spins for it, but it still seems oh, dark and manipulative to me. Yeah. It is. I'm just pointing uh, out
1: yeah, why yeah. it works so well, or why because he justifies it. He does it. need this. He yeah, really or, does need the comfort, or
0: why he doesn't yeah. think of it as dark. Yeah, himself, that's how he can justify you know, it in his he, own he, mind. He he like, can oh, just, yeah. and if the king
1: is sad, the whole realm suffers. Which. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so, partly true. Uh, I mean, I don't on know. On the screen right now, I've got the Viserys and his uh, model that he's doing. I just wanted to give a shout Super out to Super cool, right? Very cool. I, I don't know what y'all's perspective on this is. So he's creating a model of Valyria. Do you think that he's seeing? he saw dreams through Valerian or just dreams period of valeria and is replicating what he saw in his dreams or do you think there are some books that he's also using as a source or what are your guys's take on this i feel
1: like there's gotta be some books that have drawings of valeria but you- i also think there's room for what you said about dreams filling some about if he dreamt of Valerian, and as you say very cleverly you noted that Valerian was the only living creature who was now dead 17 years before that scene, roughly uh, had seen Valyria. The only living creature that had seen Valyria before it was destroyed by the doom. So yeah, if he's able to see through his own dragon's eyes and memories, he would be able to see some direct evidence of it. But, but yeah, there's probably some books too.
0: Yeah. A little bit of, there
1: could have been other
2: people who saw it. And in, you know, drew art of it and, yeah. but yeah, yeah know, like, he like, yeah, he
0: specifically talks, he's like, Valerian, who was his dragon that he used to have, yeah, was the last living creature to see Valyria. Like, he says that in the episode, which just implies to me the idea that. He knows well that Valerian saw Valyria because he could see it through Valerian's eyes.
1: Yeah, like, do dragons themselves have dreams? So, we've yeah. talked about dragon dreams, but those are human dreams. Do dragons have dreams? Like, dogs dream, yeah. cats dream? I don't do know.
0: dragons dream of fire sheep? <laughs> <laughs> sheep something like that. Icy uh.
1: sheep? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
2: they, maybe even uh, on some level, beyond dreams, might be able to communicate. like You know, if we're to believe in this fantastic world that dragon writers can control and communicate with their dragons, who's to say they can't share imagery in their minds? You know, I think it's at least possible, if not likely. And I also think it's possible, if not likely, that there would be books and stuff that would also have imagery, so that he could piece it together. Uh, I can imagine there's probably all kinds of characters in a world who tried to piece together prophecies from different sources. And uh, he might be... She had it zoomed in in on maybe those those sphinxes there. I think those are
0: Valyrian
1: sphinxes. Yeah, they are Valyrian sphinxes. Yeah, uh, for people wondering
0: why we think it's Valyria or how we know or whatever, it's there's a few things and it's cool because you really can see the similar architecture in how they did Valyria and Dragonstone, like in terms of how the the building was. You you could tell that it was built by the same people. Yeah, it's like all Um, so
1: connected and fused together. Yeah, yeah. I want to know. I want to know more about this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I had another thought on it too. By the way, that it might be revealing of his character in certain ways that he has i don't know it it shows he has like a hobby he's got to be working on this for a while and seems to have some talent and so it might be something he uses to preoccupy himself with the stresses of being the king or an escape from being the king and uh maybe it shows he has a certain amount of patience and artisticness to him I can see a lot of different pieces of his character and personality being revealed through him having done this art project Yeah, I agree yeah it's a
1: really I, fascinating hobby to have we love it like, give him a lore a lore based hobby you gotta I, love that
0: I couldn't help <laughs> but think of if y'all have watched Parks and Recreation when Ben Wyatt is uh, depressed <laughs> and he's like he's making a stop motion animation thing there's like a meme yeah. where he's like does this look like something a depressed person would make and, <laughs> and and Rob's right like, that is the most depressed person I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> yeah okay let's go through some callbacks and references like Small moments that refer oh. to other big things. What's
2: up? Aziz, maybe you meant to move on through it, but we start off going through characters. We've covered. We kind of we've covered it now. We've Renier
1: covered it. We've covered it all. You said Corlys. We co- we about him separately. Hand? We're good. We're good. Okay. Yeah,
0: we gotta cool. we gotta have a quick clip here.
1: So yeah. reference to we have reference to Alisan was kind of cool. There was a a quote that said, "Things have gone downhill in King's Landing since my grandmother's death." Oh, That's Alisan, the good Queen Alisan, who cared. A lot, whose style of rule focused a lot more on the common folk while her husband Jaehaerys was a lot on the bigger picture and focused more on the nobles and patching up the civil, just, which, which was a very important job. He, did, he earned the nickname the Conciliator. Some of the other aspects of his rule, the credit belongs to people like Alisand and Septon Barth, but in terms of bringing the realm together after all the civil wars of Magor, that was mostly him. He, he was the chief architect of, of the peace that followed. So he he does deserve a lot of credit for that. And so, but apparently Alice N, this is a reference to Damon saying the city is a little out of hand. This is builds the evidence for what he's saying being accurate. Um, so that's important. Princess Nymeria. This moment was so funny. We got a reference to Princess Nymeria in the book. <laughs> she literally takes a page <laughs> out of Nymeria's book. <laughs> that moment caused me and Ashay to flinch.
0: Oh yeah, both
1: times. The third time I didn't flinch, but the first few times I saw the scene, I was like, ah sacrilege tearing a page but then we got the joke it was like oh that's funny she took a page out of Nymeria's book
0: and I think that I I want a few angles for why Rhaenyra would be taking a page out of Nymeria's book well obviously Nymeria was a female ruler so that's relevant um, because now Nymeria because now Rhaenyra is the heir but also Nymeria is known for her many loves there's a book in A Song of Ice and Fire that references you know the loves of Queen Nymeria that Arianne Martell talks about how she wishes she was reading that and (laughs) so so you could imagine that <laughs> Rhaenyra herself will take a page out of Nymeria's book and have a few different loves.
1: Yep. And may- maybe some of that will go similarly. We'll certainly be bringing those points up as they happen rather than just fire hosing you with all of it now. Something to, to look forward to. Um, so that's pretty cool. There's definitely other things Rhaenyra has in common with Nymeria, like age. Nymeria was princess of, of her city-state within the Rhoynish Principality as a teenager. And Rhaenyra here is uh, an heir um, at a similar age. Let's see. Uh, we, had a, we had
0: a cool dragon statue. Yeah, look King at that Landing. cool dragon statue.
1: I guess that's kind. Of, it looks like it's made of obsidian, or maybe it's meant to be black. It's black because it's meant to be balerian, But either way, it looks awesome.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that was a cool thing just to show you know how different King's Landing is.
1: We have Rhaenyra and Alicent when they're walking through the courtyards, the various. Spots in the Red Keep. They cross over this courtyard that a lot of y'all will recognize as the place where Cersei eventually commissioned that whole Westeros murals. So this is that same exact location, yeah, and that's pretty cool. We'll that. call back to that.
0: Yeah, I love them walking that through, like, to... like arms linked. I, don't yeah. know. I, was, I I just I really have to say how much Their I really like the friendship that they've shown between those two.
1: Yeah,
2: it reminds me, by the way, of the discussion between Emma and. Uh, Rhaenyra. Reminded me of Cersei and Sansa. Yes. W- much less dark, but it's similar sort of like mentoring. Like, you gotta understand what your life is really gonna yeah, be Yeah, Cersei like was more I
1: mean. cruel about it. She was, but they were both yeah. del- basically being honest. <laughs> Cersei was just a little yeah. hardcore about it. Uh, so, next one, we have Daenerys' brother, by the way, Viserys, would have been Viserys III if he had actually been king. This, of course, is Viserys I. And we should see the birth of Viserys II during the timeline of the show, so watch out for that. A feast for crows is mentioned. Viserys angrily yells, "I will not sit here while you crows feast on the corpse of my family, or whatever." However, he words it. So that was that was surely intentional as a reference to a feast for crows, many people's favorite of the fo- of the five a Song of Ice and Fire novels to date. The Cat's Paw dagger was just everywhere. Viserys is just constantly having it. He's, it's on his belt at all times. But he puts his hand right on it as he's talking about the A Song of Ice and Fire reveal to his daughter, (laughs) specifically when he talks about the cold winds blowing. That's, of course, the dagger that Arya kills Night King with, so it's very meaningful and momentous. And we'll talk about it later, but the trailer seems to show that there's even more to this dagger. Maybe there's some writing on it, so... This this won't be the last time we talk about the dagger.
0: Yeah, it will not be.
1: Yeah, it's also in other scenes. So we just, yeah, it's going to keep coming up. It's going to be maybe even more prominent in House of the Dragon than it was in in Game of Thrones, but it'll be a race. It'll be tough to, (laughs) yeah. A huge one. We'll talk about the Song of Ice and Fire lore completely separately because that's such a big topic. We'll come back to that. Yeah, I was wondering if I should bring that that up.
0: Uh, Again, remember everyone that we do have a Saturday stream at 3 p.m. Eastern where we will talk a lot about. Spoilery topics, and so if we have not addressed something here, you have another shot at it.
1: Yeah, the line, oh man, so strong. Promise me, Rhaenyra Promise me. Ooh, makes some people think that maybe the promise that that Lyanna was extracting from Ned did involve some of the Song of Ice and Fire detail, which is possible. Rhaegar could have absolutely told her Lyanna. No question, that's possible. He knew about it. He told Danny in his dream, or he. He, Danny, dreamed of him saying to his newborn son, "His is the song of ice and fire." So that phrase is absolutely in there. <laughs> so, uh, it's well set up. Yeah,
2: that, that's why I was, uh, was going to ask a second ago. Like, it maybe the promise to me is just to kind of like to tie the, you know, the original Game of Thrones series together with this one. But there's an implication that, uh, or you know, the potential that if the Targaryens have been passing this dream along, that Rhaegar would have told Liana. Yana would have told Ned and said, promise me. And that might make us think about some of Ned's actions a little bit differently.
1: Yeah. It's great because it works so well without that because Ned taking care of his beloved sister's kid totally works without anything else. But that's so great. George loves to add something on top. It's so well concealed. You could have both so easily. And that's great. Really well does done. Does
2: it justify him not telling Cat? I don't know. Maybe a more it, important. It adds Kat. another angle to just, that, though. You're right. Yes, yes, and it does. I feel one thing that you know, like John felt like he was almost duped into going to the wall. They no one really told him what it was going to be like. But maybe Ned needed him to go to the wall. You know, I always felt mm. Ned didn't really push him into it. That John just kind of wanted to, but Ned didn't warn him the reality of it. Right. But maybe because
1: Ned did want him to go, yeah, he was know. more willing to accept it. It certainly fit for a lot of reasons. Uh, okay, so Emma in the tub was maybe a callback to Danny in the tub Definitely. where she wanted it really hot. Okay, not maybe.
0: <laughs> I mean, literally, he literally comes in and he's like, oh, the tub is tepid. It's not very hot. Dragons, we like it hot. And obviously Danny is the whole thing with her in the tub is that she likes it very hot. Her, her,
1: Yeah, her handmaids like, it's too hot. And then she's like, nah, I got this.
0: <laughs> and they're like,
1: "Wow, it's not too hot." <laughs> she just got right in that hot ass water, and, oh, no yeah. problem.
0: So I really liked that 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 little little shout out connection there, yeah. and just I just Another Emma was so scene. good too. Yeah, she Emma was, was so, just Emma stood was out. so good.
1: What a what an a, amazing one yeah. episode arc she had. Yeah. Uh, Rhaenyra drinking as Rhaenys. she. I'm sorry, Rhaenys, I Even it even it's even written yeah. properly here. Yeah. I just read it wrong. Rhaenyse drinking while she explains. The breaks down the violence of the tourney and the state of the realm, and how it's maybe not the great best idea to welcome our new prince with something like this. It's totally an I drink and I know things moment because she's totally sipping on the wine while saying it. It's so good. Like, yeah, and she is. And as we said before, it's another example of why this couple probably would have been a better ruling couple than. Yeah. Viserys and Emma
0: Yeah, Rainey's probably. I think Eve Best maybe had the the best like facial reactions like g- funniest uh, reactions to things in the yeah. show to me when
1: her cousin's like can I have your favor and yeah, she's like the queen who flower never flower was or... and I was like you could have his tongue out and Viserys is like oh come on no, don't, uh, don't worry about that and then he just loses and she's like drinks uh, another <laughs> <laughs> drink down yeah, her wine uh, like yep that uh, figures that was, <laughs> you know <that> was
2: fun. <laughs> um, I, it's maybe not a huge point but i just wanted to say that while i was watching that conversation between rainies and corliss it it didn't hit me till the second time around like the the deeper meaning that it had and and also that their conversation wasn't just among like you know fans of the tournament or even council members to the king it was among a former potential heir to the throne and you know the, the, the I don't know. The, the, their opinions were, it wasn't, it, their opinions were coming from a lot of different angles. Mm. We um, have a
0: question here just to um, clarify something. Dark Horse asked, do we know who the kids are at the tourney? That's Lena Valerian and Lainor Valarian. They're, they're two children. Corlys and Rhaenys do have two children sitting in front of them, and you saw them. You know, Leno was a little scared, and Lainor was a little excited at um, the action going on. Appears
1: to be a small change from the books. I believe Lena was made younger. Yes,
0: Lena is of an age with Rhaenyra, a little bit older than Rhaenyra, in fact, in the books. Um, but instead, they made Alicent and Rhaenyra, Similar in age, kind of, and uh, Lena kind of a little clo- younger. And as we go forward in future weeks, we'll get into why they did that. But it was very deliberate. Yeah. It was so not many characters me- to
1: talk about, so we'll we'll say yeah, exactly.
0: It was not it was not a mistake that yeah. they you know that they did not mess up the dates. Right. In other words.
1: So let's talk about the Song of Ice and Fire part here, Aegon's Dream. This was a, a pretty big reveal. A lot of us heard about this kind of burbling through the fandom before it even came up. And it's been an idea that's been in the fandom for a long time. To have it stated out loud like this was pretty uh, big. <laughs> you know, I'm lacking the right word here, but it was big. It was huge. It was a huge moment. Viserys becomes fervent. He's really intense in a way that is distinct from his behavior and acting the entire rest of the episode it's a very new look for him compared to his like laid back to his really sad to his really angry we had a lot of moods from viserys It's really fantastic job of acting we we get a really wide variety of looks at him and uh, he's implies or not implies but says this secret's been passed down from king to king which creates a little bit of a hmm, how did that happen because we had a civil war between maegor And how would Magor didn't go pass it on to the people that he was usurped from, nor did he give it to the king that took the throne back from him, which was Jaehaerys. Our best theory, our only theory, other than books filling in some of this, maybe some of it was written down, is that Aegon's queens were included in it. Rainis, and Visenya would have known as well. That's part of how the idea was sold to them. Uh, We need to do this conquest. Rainier, Rainies dies early on in the war, so she's just kind of out. She doesn't play into this at all. Visenya outlives Aegon. Presumably, she told her son, Magor, about it, and Aenys was told directly by Aegon. Aenys has his reign, is then uh, overthrown. His children are overthrown in place of Magor. Visenya tells Magor. Magor is in turn overthrown by his own people.
0: Dancing's enjoined.
1: Magor is then overthrown by his own people. And Jaehaerys takes the throne. So there's a disconnect there. We figure that the missing link is Reyna. Reyna was the firstborn of Aenys and Alyssa Velaryon. And she married Aegon, the Aegon the Uncrowned, who would have been... The third king, but Magor usurped him and killed him in the process. But she lived, so she may have had the secret as well. She may have gotten it because she was a twin or a close, not a twin, but she was born close to her sister brother husband. So she probably knew the secret. She probably passed it on to Jehari.
0: Probably did not help with her stress levels either. Reyna was known for being particularly, like, I mean, she had just had a lot of trauma that happened in her life. Reyna was the mother of
1: Araya, the one who had that awful trip to valyria on valyrian's back that she became infected that's her daughter so that's this reign that we're talking yeah she, she had a yeah a traumatic life so she may have been the link to pass it on to jaharis who then passed it to viserys it's easy to see how it got from jaharis to viserys so it's presumably when it at the great council there there's a, there'll be an off-screen moment where as soon as he's elected viserys is jaharis is like all right come here grandson i got a secret for you <laughs> And whether or not Viserys told Emma is an open question. I'm guessing no, but he may have told her and he definitely tells Rhaenyra. So that's how it gets to he, there. Yeah.
2: I can imagine you might've told her that might have been part of what pushed her to get pregnant. Absolutely. Again, even though she shouldn't have. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so he, told uh, her about, he told her about other
0: dreams he'd had, you know, about dreams he'd had. So it seems like he clearly talked to her about mystical stuff.
2: Yeah. It occurs to me too that other Targaryens, even ones that weren't like in line for succession, might have just had the dream. They might have just been yeah. aware of it anyway because they had the dreams themselves. They might not have fully understood it, or but they maybe they did. Maybe I imagine there was some sharing of data among Targaryens and whoever had these dreams. Maybe not. Maybe a lot of the details are lost. It's already hard enough to interpret them when you're. To, you know, telling it to a person who tells it to another person and it's spread over a generation. You can see misinterpre- misinterpretations coming from it. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. But anyway, I, I could see a lot of different ways for it to be temporarily lost and regained again because someone had the dream again or read it in a book and pieced it together with something someone told them or whatever. Else. And let's
1: dial it back to what we know about prophecy. You, you're familiar with this concept, Sean. Something we've talked about a lot is that the event is there in the future available to various forms of prophetic magic and dreams to be detected. Aegon's dream is not the only source for this. We know Melisandre comes along much later knowing about a lot of this stuff. She didn't learn it from Aegon, and the Azor High prophecy and the Prince that was promised prophecies are way older than Aegon the Conqueror. So it's no way he's the first one to dream of these events or the first one to know about them. He may have been the first in his family. Maybe not, though maybe not even that maybe his ancestor danys the dreamer yeah. also dreamt of this amongst her yeah. many dreams so that's a very important factor that is he's not the only one who knew although he may be the only one in his close family that knew uh, and, and that knowledge could have been lost elsewhere but it also gets rediscovered right Rhaegar at some point rediscovers oh, i seems i must be a warrior aerys the first again not the mad king aerys the first during the time of duncan egg egg says Ares, the you know King Ares found this prophecy in an old book that says the dragons will return again. You know, and it's like, ooh. so these there there's there are other sources for these things, though they are pretty vague at this point. So that's a very important factor. Oh, you know what? Wasn't there? This might be
2: kind of deep for our show dis- discussion, but wasn't there a Targaryen king who was delivered a message from Dorne about another Targaryen princess, maybe that had died? And he like clutched the message till he bled that was aegon
1: yeah that was aegon the conqueror yeah Agon.
2: and then left and, and it was like a mysterious why did he love where did he go and we we're wondering maybe he went to research something who did maybe the person that died had a dream when one of the the dream the message did not be lost and she's like hey you got to tell aegon uh, about this dream i had mm. write this message they send it and I don't yeah, there's know. Anyway, possibilities
1: said, yeah. yeah for sure it's it's yeah. the, certainly that's a, certainly a big mystery and there's it's, it's open to a lot of theorizing that's for sure
2: but, by the way, th- that just reminded me of another point I wanted to ask about in the show earlier. When we saw Otto Hightower, when Allison came in and he ends up sending her to talk to Viserys, you remember that he was, like, sealing a message to send home? Yeah,
1: what was he sending? Yeah. Very yeah. good catch. I was wondering about that, too. I have no idea. He's warning his family, something.
2: Yeah, I think you would Maybe agree. he's worried I mean, yeah. about disability, something Something. Uh, Rhaegar is gonna do. Rhaegar, uh, Damon is gonna do. About, I, I was guessing it was just anticipate. about the
0: death of the queen. That's. I was guessing it had yeah. to do with that. Yeah. That would be my. Could just be routine
2: you know. responsibilities he's fulfilling. But yeah, I would,
0: I would guess he was saying like, "Hey, the queen is dead. I'm going all in on." On. Getting-. <laughs> I don't think he was overt about it. I don't think he like said anything that if the message got compromised, that he would get in trouble for saying as well. Yeah. Like, he's probably aware that like you don't want to write anything too bad on paper.
1: Um. Okay, um, let's talk about a few other random lore bits. I've got a section here on history repeating itself. We'll save that for another time. That's, that's something that is not... Okay. It doesn't have to be talked about right now. There's lots yeah, of times can... to talk about history repeating yeah. itself. But basically, there's some patterns here in the Targaryen history with how they've ruled, what style of rule has worked and not worked, and how things have kind of swung one way to the other, like the pendulum swinging from brutality to ma- good management to somewhere in between. So yeah, we'll save that for another time. The Dragon Keepers were pretty cool, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think some people ex- expect them to be different because they're described differently in fire and blood. They're a little bit more of like a monastic, like this makes more order. It makes sense to me. Um, yeah. I think it was cool how they're able to control the dragons by speaking to them despite not being the dragons, you know, uh, a partnered, uh, human.
1: It's kind of like how dogs just learn commands. It's like, if you really yeah. get into it, like, how did do dogs learn that? You know, like, but dragons too i guess you know <laughs>
2: it, it definitely seemed to be a a, a, a new guy and a veteran yes. managing It you know, so there's a learning yeah. process probably for both the dragons and the handlers i also wonder hope that we might get one of those characters featured. It might be a neat POV
0: yeah. for one of
2: those dragon handlers to you know, the insights they might get to the relationships between the dragons and the writers, the little conversations they might yeah, overhear I would love to see whatever. a
0: day in the life of a, of a dragon keeper yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I I generally that is what I would like to see out of the show is I would like to see a more common person's perspective, although I mean a dragon keeper isn't exactly the most common person because yeah. it's <laughs> a very specific uh, thing, uh, you know, niche thing that they're working in. But the point remains but that I would like not to nobility. see not yeah. Your ability. I would like to see a, a POV, a person who, you know, were featured for more than an episode. Um so I don't know who we'll see in that. Really era. reminds
1: me of like real world like the people who keep really dangerous animals, like a snake charmer or a, like a poisonous snake is arguably more likely to kill you than a dragon in that situation. You know what I mean? Like a dragon killed more people, but like you could survive a A glancing blow from dragon flame poisonous snake bite in that era you're dead (laughs) so yeah anyway there are people willing to work with dangerous animals is my point (laughs) you know that's a real world thing (laughs) my mind was
2: was still thinking in the terms that i thought of when we first saw the dragon flying in was uh they're like air traffic controllers you know like a yeah. airman on yeah, a aircraft carrier directing the jet landing nice. or something. Yeah, like totally. It. Like it. It's also dangerous.
1: <laughs> and the dragon knew its name. They called it Cyrax. Like, they, it knew its own name, which was kind of neat. Like, dogs a lot of times recognize their own names, too.
0: I was impressed that Cyrax knew to burn just just Ama and Balon, just the corpses, that, and, like, to Karis, yeah. which spoke to me that... This, it said to me that there is a mental connection. If I didn't already think that, I thought, I think it even more that Rainiera had to be thinking, burn my, mu- you know, burn that. Like there's a connection there.
2: Yeah. There yeah. The dragon didn't just randomly blow fire and it kind of similar to Danny, the dragon blew fire at her enemies. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. it, there's so a, there's a, there's, this, there's yeah. a mental connection or even at some level of intelligence to understand the yeah. intent to maybe to under know this tradition that they've gone mm-hmm. through before or whatever. I
1: agree. Yeah.
2: Dragons aren't, don't necessarily have to like speak proper English and sh- study Shakespeare to be
1: intelligent. Quote yeah. There's another thing like think dogs, so. dogs I can sense when do, their owner Sean. doesn't like someone or whatever, you know, it's really, it's really neat. Dogs <laughs> can read Shakespeare too. Dogs can <laughs> <laughs> Woof. All right. mm. um, a couple more super chats here as we work our way to our final moments here. Go Saber 7 says, So is Rainier reading from Signs and Portents in the upcoming week's preview. We will address that in the Saturday episode. We have not had a chance to do our zoom in enhance on no. the trailers yet because, it's, hey, that was out last night. And we've been possible, focused on this episode.
0: It's possible she's reading from the dagger.
1: Yeah. So we'll get to we'll, So We'll, we'll talk we'll,
0: about that more on Saturday, then.
1: Yeah. Fitzchivalry Snow says it's pretty interesting the way Damon was using the secret passages already. Yes, Yes. he was spying on the council. Yeah, we forgot to bring that up. That is very interesting. He seems like he knew some secrets of the Red Keep.
0: Definitely, that's a
1: thing. Magor's is the one who built all those secret passageways. It's kind of funny that they were comparing him to Magor as he's using the passages built by Magor. But yeah, that's a very good catch that he's knows a bit of the Red Keep's inner workings in ways that have not fully been. Explain to us. We don't know what his extent of his knowledge is there or who else knows them. Like, it's often the master of whispers who knows such things. But again, there isn't one right now. So, like, does Otto know about the secret passages or to what level does he? That's a big open question right now. I'm sure we'll find out some of that. TKOK Podcast Network says Mazaria played Damon and, and I felt goaded him in a way into the air for a day thing. She was definitely pushing him. That's why I did call her a bit of an enabler before. Um so yeah, yeah I, I kind I, of agree I, with that. Yeah, I don't
0: know if I agree goaded. I think Enabled Maybe and pushed, Kurt enabled, pushed like yeah. allowed that situation to happen, but I don't think she I don't think she goaded him to saying anything that was controversial there. She just wanted him to address everyone, you know, but she was happy she about was happy, the death. Yeah. yeah. And so that was just <laughs> a dark thing to feel for sure. So yeah, Mizaria um goes by Lady Misery in the books. <laughs> and so we will be seeing a oh, lot more he, of her. Yeah, um, she's lysine. Yeah, she's uh, an interesting. I really like that actress. Um, she's known for doing a lot of like sci-fi stuff, Sonoya Mizuno. Um, and so I expect good. I expect to see really good things from her going forward. Right. That was
2: another thing that I looked at differently. Not only was I watching it a second time, but haven't seen that the insights from the the showrunners. Mm-hmm. Um, that Damon did seem to be down. Like he was in this place of festivity. Yeah, but he was sad. He wasn't he really wasn't happy. happy. No, any really did feel offended when his brother was like, you know, but you were celebrating. He's like, we all have to grieve in our own way. He wasn't really celebrating.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's hard for him to explain himself in that moment, especially when he's kind of under threat by the Kingsguard, but it it, it is making me come around that there's more to his character than just a monster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it makes him a lot more compelling as a character. It wouldn't be as fun if he was just some violent, murderous uh, psychopath. I love, I love his reaction
0: to um, when when Viserys is like, oh, Damon wouldn't have the patience for the throne. He doesn't want it. Yeah. And, and Damon just smiles. He like, laughs. Like, and Otto know. has
1: maybe the best line of the show of that episode where he says, the gods have yet to make a man who has lacks the patience for absolute power. I was like, great yeah. line. Like, yeah. Viserys says no answer to that. He's like, whoa, that was, no, 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 that no. was very really eloquent and, and true, I guess. And <laughs> it's true, because that is
0: like, in Fire and Blood, and that is kind of a, a thought that people have, like, a, a sentiment is that Damon didn't really want the throne, but I think they're showing like, that's kind of a spin. Yeah, it's kind of a spin. It, so Otto is
1: right to be worried that Damon wants the throne and Otto is right that Damon would not be a good ruler. Like Damon would not be a good ruler. I don't think, you know, it like seems, seems right. It seems his read on that situation seems right. It's another example of not just cause Otto is right about Damon and Damon's right about Otto doesn't mean they're both right about everything or that they're both good guys or, or that they're both entirely bad guys, but yeah. Um, it might be another,
2: uh, example Otto, there projecting himself onto others and like, yeah you know i don't have enough patience i want absolute power <laughs> like
0: yeah,
1: so
2: if true. i'm like that he must be too right, right. Yeah.
1: frozen whirlpool says so by that right you not find it disingenuous for them to say jaharius ruled through a time of peace no i think it was a time of peace i think most of the rot in jaharius's reign began right at the end Alisan died not that
0: long before him and all the drama, like, there were dramas that happened that weren't peaceful, yeah. in quotes. Like, you know, like the stuff with Area isn't exactly peaceful, but it yeah. isn't war.
1: Right. I think the the mismanagement, I think, is most of it comes near the end of his reign and the beginning of Viserys' reign, as they just got lax. Like, yeah, we're rich. Everything's great. Yeah, what do you mean, problems? It's great. You know, we're doing fine. You know, and they just weren't raised to rule they weren't taught properly how to be kings like a lot this is various issues here but i don't think it's disingenuous i think that because most of the the vast majority of jaharius's reign was peaceful without the setup for this most of the setup came at the end and at the beginning of isaris's reign i think it's open for interpretation
2: i I, as we talked about i don't really have thorough knowledge of this time period but i i think it's worth noting that if someone rules through a time of peace and it's for 10 years or whatever, maybe they just got lucky. Yeah. But if maybe. you rule through a time of peace and it's 60 years, you probably get some credit for that. Yeah. yeah. Right? You had to be proactive <laughs> to make it last that long. Yeah. You didn't just get lucky to have it at the right time. I period. agree.
1: And again, this comes back to him being the conciliator as well. He he stopped a lot of wars that were in progress. He stopped, a, mended a lot of fences, built a lot of bridges that had been burned. And that helped set that up that was pro that was very proactive <laughs> and it, it kept for a while it held and he kept doing similar things that were you know more proactive because they weren't problems brought over from the previous regime <laughs> um all right let's finish up with what we'll do every episode every monday we'll each highlight a performance we'll each highlight a scene or plot point that really stood out and then we'll each highlight a dragon moment. Not as many dragon moments this first time. There's only two dragons in this one, but surely that's going to be increasing. Uh I'll start. I Oh no, Ashia, you go first. You have your um your one listed first here, unless you want me
0: to go first. Um yeah, one Okay. Uh yeah, I will say that my, I, my standout is kind of the same as yours, but I kind of said one different just to be different, um, from that. But so I'm going to lead into yours. I think that, um, Emma Aaron, um, the actress playing her had a, a, a very, a lot of pressure on her to get this role right. And I think she absolutely like sparkled, stood out, just had so much life and personality. And I, I, I just like this sparkle in her eyes that just made you want to see more of her character to be honest like I don't really know that there was a lot of things that she specifically did but just the way that she interacted with Rhaenyra I really felt this tragic loss of like Rhaenyra is losing her mother figure and she did a really good job um but my other shout out will be the same one y'all say which is Millie Alcock as Rhaenyra who I thought was very funny she crushed
1: it. Yeah. She did the wide range of emotions. She was funny. She was sad. She was nervous. She was anxious. She was irreverent. She was a lot of things. And to me, though, the moment that really got me, the moment that gets me choked up and was just brilliant acting amidst a whole lot of brilliant acting was when she chokes up saying Drakaris, and she can't get it out. She She's uh, because, you know, a word is coming. Everyone's prepared for the Drakaris," And then she stumbles on it. And it was so authentic. So well done. It got me so well. Every time I've watched it, I've watched it three times now. And just that was the highlight of a bunch of great acting from her. It's too bad we won't have her for the long term, but I'm sure (laughs) older Rainier will also be awesome.
0: Yeah, I know they won't be doing this, but man, I would really love it if they would just continue doing some flashbacks going forward yeah. like if season 2 or something they have a scene that they're like you know we'd really like to show this background story like it would be fun for me personally to get a little more with these these young actresses because I love them so much shout out to Emily Carey as well who like I was I, I, I happen to have seen a number of interviews with her at this point and so I can say that she really is playing a very different type of character mm. to who she is in her demeanor like she's playing this ner- this nervous anxious nerdy character like yeah. ang- anxious person versus uh what well, the impression i get of her
1: and sean how, how about you you also
2: yeah <laughs> I, I think renera yeah. ends for this exact same reason you said like i, I you know I, I it's not just that it's my favorite i just think it was the best i think that moment at the funeral was just the best super moment good. of performance of the, and then of she, the yeah she like sucks it
1: up and and gets finds her inner strength and then yeah, yeah it's super good yeah
2: I guess to just to name another one, but you also mentioned it earlier too, but Viserys went through a range, you know, that moment yeah. in the council. We suddenly got angry about, like, look, look, my wife and daughter, uh, you know, you know my child, you know, they, I, I can't handle this political bickering at yeah. this moment. You know, like. Uh, yeah, it was very real uh, very authentic yeah. and very typical and, uh, of he, the way he rules. S- yeah. Yeah. And you know, he kind of got, got a little frustrated with uh with Damon Mm -hmm. and that that back and forth in the throne room too. It's like, I've given you so much. and You always throw it back at me. Like there there was emotional moments that I appreciated, especially among a lot of, I don't even mean to say this uh, negatively because I think it's necessary, but there was a decent amount of uh, exposition, Mm -hmm. right? There was a lot of moments of, and and, and in fact, I think they did a good job of having people reveal information to the audience through natural conversation. Mm. It wasn't too unnatural to say, Hello, my brother Damon. I am glad to see you were in charge of the city. Watch now. You know, yeah. like, I think they did it a little more natural than Yeah, it than didn't that. feel but like a it lot of the, Yeah, but a lot of that stuff still isn't particularly emotional uh, yeah. dialogue. Hmm. But so, we still got good emotion out of Viserys. So I can of, say uh, that we're Renera.
0: all three of us Found Millie Alcock's performance as Rainier to be our favorite performance Jeez, of the like episode. We're agreed on that. I guess my my question would be: Is there a character you're most excited to see what they do as the as the rest of the season progresses?
1: Yeah, like we haven't seen a lot of Raines or Coralie yet. They certainly yeah. made an impression, but we haven't gotten a lot of focus on them yet i really, I really like liked. Otto's acting um mm. even though his character was really yeah. skeevy i really and, uh,
0: liked how corley's wasn't drinking how he covered his drink just a little was, you know small like, nice subtle choices there mm-hmm. um she goes, says a lot
1: very focused very serious yeah
2: mm. i don't know about excited to see i'm scared to see what damon is going to do i'm scared <laughs> to see what Otto hightower is going to oh, do yeah
1: what kind of maneuvering I, I
2: expect intrigue you know they're i mean they might not be as as you know Clearly, villainous is Joffrey or something, but and it's it, similar to Joffrey as he he sparks uh, drama. He's going to make action unfold in in the series. So, okay, on that level, I guess I'm excited to see what they
1: do. Uh, uh,
0: I'll say I'm particularly excited to see the whole Valerian family Rainey's Corlys, and <laughs> their kids—and all that.
1: What is your favorite highlighted scene from this one, Ashaya?
0: My favorite scene or plot point, yeah. I, my. I'm going to name two right now. Okay. Uh, I really liked the whole tourney scene in mm-hmm. terms of like how it felt and how real and and glorious and grand it was and the armor. There's a lot of things I liked about it, but in terms of the scene, I enjoyed watching the most. I enjoyed Alicent and Rhaenyra talking about Nymeria. Mm. Well, you know, Al- uh, Rhaenyra's got her head With in Alicent's lap, and, and she's like, she's like, oh, I've got a physician I like quite a lot, and she's talking yeah. about Alicent's lap. I really, really like they did there with deciding to make them close in age and make them friends i think that a lot of women in particular can really relate to that concept that like your your girlhood best friend is so close that it's like hmm. I, I i'm without saying anything more i'm i'm very nervous for how <laughs> things are going to play out going forward you can already
1: see where there would be some conflict if rainier is now the heir yet Allison's father is pushing her to get close to the king. So that's yeah, so you're
0: like, you're like, things aren't necessarily yeah. going to go well for them going forward. So, but you know, again, they change a lot of things. Yeah. So w- I'm, we'll see how that pans out.
1: What's your other one? You said you had two.
0: the tourney. Oh, the tourney. Yeah.
1: And that scene with Allison. Yeah. Okay, that, about that's a, an actiony
0: you? scene in a talking scene I'll, is what I'll say. <laughs> I'll go
1: with the song of ice and fire reveal. I love the way it's set up. I love how Viserys becomes a different person in this moment. And this, just with the backdrop of Balerion's skull and all his fears, and him saying the, the Iron Throne is Iron Throne, the Iron Throne is the most dangerous seat in the world. Just, I love the imagery of the skull and the candles and that shrine, and him putting his hand on the dagger, and the interspersing of of Lord Stark and the and the kneelings. Of, yeah, I'll go with that one. It's hard to pick, but I'll I'll, I'll highlight that. What about you, Sean?
2: I th- I think it's like I don't want to pick it. I don't know how to say this. I want my highlight moment to be like a woo, like a fist pump moment. Yeah. But I, the one that I felt stuck with me the most is more of a dark moment. Was when uh, Viserys trying to make light of this conflict between Otto Hightower and Daemon, his brother. Yeah. At at the council meeting, and Viserys is trying to like you know find common ground and settle things down. And he's like, look, you know, I I I understand what you did, but you know, in the future, you know, don't don't be so extreme. I, I just hope you don't have to. Kill half the the city yeah. to yeah. to get law a place. And Damon says, "Time will tell." Oh, yeah. was like, ooh. that one's still like, it's funny. My yeah, it's still a little sunk for now because it was you know? funny, but
1: also like, ooh, how, is he serious? Yeah. Yeah, like, what's really going to happen here? Yeah,
0: and it showed. Yeah, it showed. You know, he's honest about that. Like, like it no, showed that Damon. Yeah. I, I, it spoke to Damon's perspective on things in a, in a good way, I think. Like the fact that he isn't like there i fixed it you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't just think he fixed it by doing that <laughs> I he's guess. like
1: it remains to be seen how my current actions will yeah, affect the situation exactly let it play out um can i can i say
2: that i'm probably going to reveal my level of unsulliedness to, kind of going back to Shea's yeah. question: like what are we excited to see going forward of all generally speaking Most of the characters I feel were at best tolerant. Like there, there's a lot of like mistakes, ineptness, chauvinism, violence coming from most all the characters. There is one person that I thought was most closely presented as a hero, Kriston Cole. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as we aware that there's some controversy surrounding him, I'm expecting maybe some sort of Jamie lannister maybe, maybe. or something i don't know but um but but i he's maybe someone i should be excited to see more from one way or the other but this yeah. is the
1: value of you uh, one of the values of you being here because yeah shay and i we're too we know too much about who he is we would never have said what you said but you're right he is being framed as this interesting up-and-comer that
0: kind of we don't outsider. have a lot of opinion yeah, on yeah
1: like he doesn't there's yeah. no reason to dislike him at this point
0: no, there is no reason to dislike Kristen Cole. Unless, Absolutely unless not. There's reasons ahead. to Even like maybe him. Maybe you have
1: um, reasons, but yeah. So that I have, I, I have a
0: reason to like him. I mean, he's Dornish. I already am biased. I like Dornish people. He beat Damon. Yeah, like yeah, he beat Damon. He chose Rhaenyra <laughs> yeah. as you know to get his favor. He was like yep. generally he 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 was trying to be honorable in his fight with Damon. He didn't just like he wanted him to yield. Well, he did hit him
1: in the back. Yeah, yeah. I he guess you're cheering, right. You know, but still, I mean, he
0: was cheering. I feel like I don't After think that
1: Damon had already been dishonorable.
0: Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, I don't think it It's dishonorable for him to do that. Yeah, it
2: wasn't that bad.
1: Yeah, he didn't hit him hard. He didn't, like, hit him in the head either. He hit him in, like, the... The thick part of his armor. I think he could have hit him in like the back of the leg, which would have really gotten you know. <laughs> which I can remember how clear it was,
2: but yeah, it seemed like it was the torso, a way just to knock him down, yeah, not yeah, to maim him, or knock yeah.
1: him down, and then he pinned him. It was like then it was over. It was like then he stepped on his hand, and that was it. Yeah, and he kicked I feel the like sword Chris away. Had but to that be like was like how hyper uh...
0: aware. Like if I was fighting the Prince of of, of the <laughs> Targaryens, I would not want to kill him.
1: Yes, I would yeah. be
0: aware to and maybe not hurt him. Damon terribly. knows
1: that, which is maybe yeah. part of the argument for why he wasn't wearing a faceplate, which I, I don't know i fully buy yeah. that but it's it's, yeah. it's something by the way in and Duncan egg that was how Baylor was well you're baby, totally right yeah, no yeah, that's yeah. no <laughs> you're right yeah no you're totally right he did he's like the king's guard won't hit me because I'm, uh-huh. I'm the prince <laughs> uh-huh. like, hmm. yeah he just got hit
2: in the head with the morning star his... and the person that did it had to live with that mm-hmm. and it was shame for the rest of his life it wasn't yeah. one of the king's guard yeah
1: you're right so <laughs> Very good point. So highlight dragon moment. Like I said, there's not a lot of dragon moments in this one. There'll be more. Like we're The dragons were really cool, but we're just getting started there. There were only two dragons. All they did was just fly a little bit. They didn't do much else. But yeah, I loved seeing... I'll go with Cyrax, just the the moment we kind of already discussed where the dragon keepers are... We see some of the day-to-day mm. of how this works, like how they where they live, where they get saddled, who's handling them and feeding them. I approve and appreciate of... <laughs> this part of the, mm-hmm. the little, very tiny part of the story being yeah. made more real and grounded.
0: I, I loved seeing Caraxes, how cool they designed Caraxes to look with that, like the, the feet tail thing and all that. But I also really liked seeing um, Damon introducing Caraxes to Mizaria and writing yeah. on, on Caraxes with, um, with, with her as well, because I, I relevant plot wise. Yeah, like The detail
1: general. of like the wind blowing on his hair, blowing back as he's getting close <laughs> to him. Cause the dragon's breathing out and yeah. You're right, and he's got the
0: really long neck. (laughs) Long neck boy. Crax is called the Blood Worm, and so you can see why they call him a worm, because he is wormy, long boy. whereas Sunfire,
1: or not Sunfire, but Cyrax's neck wasn't nearly that long. What about you, Sean? Any favorite dragon moments or observations you want to throw out?
2: My favorite dragon moment was Rhaenyra being crowned. Ah, nice. Ah. (laughs) Nice.
1: What a necklace. That thing is bling as hell, huh? That necklace is insane. I have another Mm -hmm.
2: answer. It's also slightly avoiding the real question, but the the scene with uh, Viserys and Rhaenyra in the, with, with the Beleriand skull. Okay, and yeah, it yeah, it was a dragon was one day. Like, yeah. Just uh-huh. to get a feel for how large Beleriand must've been. That thing, <laughs> <laughs> that thing skull was almost as big as the entire other dragons. You yeah. Know?
1: <laughs> like, it was huge, right? Okay, folks, that's our episode. Join us Saturday at three with our first guest, Joe magician uh, at the, then back to Monday at six next week for episode two which will be formatted a lot like this one was. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of other episodes from our back catalog that refer to topics in this one. I have a huge list here. We have an episode on Dark Sister, Daemon's Sword. We have an episode, four episodes on The Dance of the Dragons, the whole thing, which goes a lot farther with Radio Westeros. We're four episodes in out of a planned seven. The Sea Snake, we got a whole episode on the history of the Sea Snake. We got a whole episode on the Stepstones, which includes some of the conflict that's described in this episode. We got an episode on House Royce. If you want to learn more about the family Damon married into, we even talk about Rhea, his wife. The Doom of Valyria. We've got an episode on that, which, of course, is referenced a couple times here. We got an episode on Valerian the Black Dread, (laughs) the one who owns that big old skull. We got an episode on the heresies of Septon Barth, who was Jaehaerys's right-hand man or left-hand man whichever you want to say alison alisanne would be the other hand we've got two episodes on nymeria mother Royne and ten thousand ships those are both big into her history we have a couple episodes from our fire and blood coverage on jaharis and Al-San. one is called the new old tower of joy and one is called the ascension of jaharis and alisanne and of course there's a lot of to do with their reign given how long it was we're also, of course, going to have out our interview with George R. Martin before Saturday's stream. And don't forget to check out our short synopses before each episode. They'll get you sort of set up. Make sure you had all the details. Make sure you understood what was going on. And, of course, one last shout out for our awesome new House of the Dragon intro by Bran Winslow, a.k.a. Brand the Builder. We're so happy with it. He's going to be modifying it during the season. Kind of like the original Game of Thrones intro, how they would change it, like add a location here and there to just give it a little spice to make sure you always pay attention. Well, Bran's going to be doing similar stuff with ours, so you're going to want to watch that every time. Oh, do you, <laughs> you want
0: to get a catch on? Is it quick while I play the intro or is that a thing? If you have time, I'll play the I'm gonna do the I'm gonna play our our intro as the outro for at least some weeks, but most of the time it'll just be our intro. But I'll play (laughs) the outro, and if you stay past the outro, you'll see Sean back with a cat.
1: That's right. So that's it, right? (laughs) That is right. So everyone, thanks again for coming. We are just getting started. It's only season one. There's gonna be multiple seasons of this. We got ten episodes or nine more episodes, and then plenty to talk
0: about in between. We have one more Uh, shout-out. Direwolf City is live, going live right now at 8.30. They'll be live every Monday at 8.30, so you should be able to catch them right after our stream every Monday. And we will be having them as a guest. later this month or next month or whatever.
1: Speaking um, of other friends of the show, Radio Westeros will be one of our, who we've done a lots of TV show coverage with in the past. Their streams are every Tuesday. So shout seven. them out as well. And we'll also have them on as a guest. And I think we might be going on theirs as a guest as well at some point. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, That's all so. in the scheduling works as of this moment, which is monday august oh there's
0: sean back with a cat before i even played the outro oh it's jet
1: (laughs) nice well we know that uh jet would be on the blacks out of the blacks and greens yeah i think so for sure
0: look at that cat
1: yeah Uh,
0: so yes thanks y'all for joining us and we'll see you saturday at 3 p.m for a spoilery chat with joe magician
1: goodbye everyone happy new house of the dragon season